1: Welcome to Flashback Fridays. I am your host, David K. Montoya. All right, kids, before we even get started, let me go ahead and just jump out there and apologize for last week. I know I missed an episode last week. Uh, just a lot of things are going on behind the scenes. We've got whole new equipment coming in. Actually, it's in. We just got to put it together now for the shows. Uh, you know, if anybody that follows any of the other podcasts, um, featuring me know that I'm working on an animated feature and that pretty much took a lot of time last week plus the equipment so by the time I realized that I had missed an episode it was too late and it was already like Sunday so my apologies to everybody um, but here we are this week and I've got plenty of good podcast entertainment for you. Right here on Flashback Fridays. So this is kind of an exciting week. Uh, this is the last week of the blackout. Uh, in fact, tomorrow, Saturday, uh, Sadie and I come in and do what we think. It's a special Oscar edition, just to give you a heads up. And it'll be live Saturday morning at 12 a.m. We sit down, we talk a lot, a lot. Uh, it was like, originally, before the edits, it was almost like two and a half hours, but I was able to edit it down to like an hour and a half. But still, we had lots of movie talk, lots of actors and actresses, and and it was just a really good, informative show. So check that out. Uh, Like I said, we're going, we're back in the green on, uh, let's see, that'll be tomorrow, will be the first, March 1st. And that'll be over at what we think. And then there on out, everybody else, you know, what we think, seeing red. Um, who else was out for a while? Uh, don't get us started. Who's the boss? Tree Frog Expose Cafe. Um, we're all coming back and we'll be back and going strong each and every week as planned. Alright kids, so let's go ahead and get to the meat and potatoes of this show. The reason why we're here, we get together each and every week, and we pull three podcasts from the past. You know, we have our nice little Jizzle Modcast archive set up, and I'll pull those episodes, I'll give you the name, I'll give you a brief synopsis, and then we enjoy that episode. Alright, so let's go ahead and pull the first episode, I've got my nice little cauldron right here. And, let's see. Okay. Episode, or the first episode of this week will be... Alright, starting things off good. The first show of the week is going to be Scene Red, number 48. And that one's called Inside the Piss Dungeon. Uh, released March eleventh, two thousand thirteen. It says this week Rebecca, Aaron, and Dave, or excuse me, and a sleep-deprived Dave get some laughs as Dave attempts to read a small print article about a piss dungeon in England. Then Rebecca hits us with ten most bizarre animal experiments in medical history. Yes, this was good. I I can't remember exactly why I was sleep-deprived, but you know that's that's actually not. That uncommon nowadays for me to be sleep-deprived. Okay, so here we go. Let's set back, relax, and enjoy Scene Red, episode number 48, Inside the Pissed Dungeon. Hey, boys and girls. Welcome to Scene Red. I'm David K. Montoya.
2: I'm Rekhasee Lofgren.
1: And I'm Aaron Illich. Now, here's a question for you guys. Have you ever wanted to go to England?
2: Lots of times.
1: Yeah? What would you do there?
2: Well, I know a lot of people go to England to, like, party for Mm -hmm. whatever reason, but if I were to go to England, I would probably go to see, like, all the tourist sites because I've been wanting to see that type of stuff, like the museums and the Jack the Ripper walk and all that stuff.
1: Right. What about you, Aaron? Pretty much the same reasons.
2: Maybe see a a UF no, UKF.
3: Well, UKF, he tours all around the world. I mean – What is that, UKF? UKF is – he's –
2: well, we probably see some type of dubstep <coughs> show just because a there's a lot, lot of, of those. In the UK. Yes,
3: very much so. And a lot of it um and people are probably more like nobody cares about fucking dubstep or Skrillex bullshit. Um American dubstep sucks. <laughs> some of it's good depending on what you listen to, but for the most part and you can back me up on this is cuz I showed you this. Um a lot of the electronic music that we know today derived from the UK. Oh, okay.
1: Well, I know, for example, and you guys obviously have heard it by now, is um, you know our theme music. You know, Fox don't sue us, but it's a mixture of the X Men cartoon theme song mixed in with dubstep. Yeah. And then, of course, we have Ian Bisson putting in dialogue. Mm-hmm. You know, a friend of mine just came back from the the whole UK. Um they went on the Da Vinci Code tour. Oh, that's cool. Ooh. Yeah, so they they literally they got to go to like the Knights of the Templars uh church and they went to the Luge and where else did they fuck, they went all over the place. Um But one of the things that they said is there's so many pubs out there that it's, it's unbelievable, you know, because you think that American bars, you know, well, the way that American bars are perceived where the pub is con- are perceived completely different, you know, it's almost like, um, while well, it's a bar, but it's, it's almost got like a family friendly type atmosphere. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, um, you know, so it's, it's more welcomed, I guess, more socially acceptable to head down to the pub than it is here in the States. And the reason I bring up the pub is because I was digging around for some weird news and this comes from vice.com and the headline pretty much says it all. So I'm just going to lay it right out. It's called deep inside the chain pub piss dungeon. (laughs) And, uh, at first, I was like, "Well, okay, a piss dungeon, you know." So, I, I was thinking, like, you know, what, what were they doing? But this is actually from Vice.com, and it says, "Ever heard the story of the girl who sleeps with some dude and ends up getting some weird flesh-eating disease that the doctor tells her can only be contracted through sex with a corpse? Have you heard of that?" Yeah. <laughs> Every once in a while, you hear a story of human sexual deviance so extremely left of center that it literally blows your mind. It even more disturbing when you're there at the source and can see the chlorab- cor- Fuck, I can't see it. Corroboration. Corabora- Thank you. Cor- yeah. Evidence for yourself. One of my best buds from South End is the manager of a chain pub in central London. A few weeks ago, he was standing behind the bar when a guy came up to him looking rather concerned. Uh, listen, mate, this is going to sound totally insane, but I'd just gone for a piss in the urinal, and I could have sworn I saw an eyeball looking up for me from the hole. I'm sorry?
4: It sounds Canadian. I'm sorry. I can't. Sounds <laughs> Canadian. My
1: friend replies, not just an eyeball, but like an eyeball as well. And the eyeball was looking around. So the guy convinced my friend to have a look for his own peace of mind. <clears throat> so you guys, you, you're following me still? Yeah. Okay. They both went into the bathroom to check on the two adjourning rooms. As they go through the first door, they discover that the place is plenty much flooded with urine. My mate comments to the guy that obviously is... Let's see. This is not normal. <laughs> and if you guys sink your phones in, you can see he actually took a picture of them walking into the first it's room. It's everywhere. Yes. <clears throat> um, then it goes on to say... Things get stranger still when they get to the door of the second back room, which is a fire exit and should be unlocked. It isn't. My friend gets his keys and unlocks the door, and as he begins to do so, a frantic scuffle begins behind the door. As he attempts to push the door open, the handle is ripped out of his hand, and a dude comes charging out of the room. Soaked from head to toe in piss. He pushes both my friend and the customer, who are too shocked to react, out of the way, screaming, I didn't do anything, as he ran away. By the time they regained their sense of reality, the guy had made his escape, leaving them to assess the scene, deprived he only left in his wake. Now, if you scroll down, you see a, a picture of the second room.
2: It's disgusting.
1: And it goes on to read more. The plumbing from the urinal had been carefully removed and put onto one side, leaving in a hole in the massatory big enough for a head and shoulders to squeeze into. Tissue paper had been laid on on the exposed brickwork to provide a comfortable headrest for what seemed to be a lengthy session of being pissed on by men in secret in a toilet belonging to pretty much the biggest pub chain in Britain. Oh, and did I mention there was a snorkel? The police are called. (laughs) Forensic scores the scene, but no fingerprints can be found owing to the copious amounts of we on every single surface. And then if you scroll down even further, you see where the guy had taken out the urinal and laid down the tissue paper so he can put his hand under there and get pissed on. I was told this story while incredibly stoned. (laughs) I was... uh, Let's see, where was I? Even more incredible. Incredible. Folks, I can't read. I'm not stoned. I'm not stoned. When he showed up, or he showed me the pictures of the makeshift piss dungeon on his phone, taken moments after the incident, he said that it was pretty much disturbing by the fact that he had seen this utterly normal looking middle aged man at his lowest ebb. He had obviously done a reese on the place and put a fair amount of planning into finding, locking himself into the room, all without arousing, arousing suspicion of staff or the punters before it was way too late. There you go, next time you go to pee in a urinal or anywhere for that matter. Just remember that someone could. <laughs> the, here comes Rebecca's new fear. <clears throat> someone could remember. Or just remember that someone could be mere feet away. Bathing in your waste fluids. So. I, I read that and I'm like. Well number one. That was that kind of reminded me. Because. I, now do you still have that fear about walking out to the car by yourself? Oh heck yeah. Tell the listeners your fear, and then I'll get into it. I
2: don't know why, but I have this fear like well, it's because I used to have a, a blade, and it's like really high, and for some reason, I had this fear that if I walked up to my car by myself, someone would like crawl out from of the car and like cut my Achilles, Achilles tendons, so I couldn't <laughs> run away. I don't know why I had this. I still have it
1: um and that's just you know because you're afraid someone's underneath you. yeah, well, literally in this story, someone is literally underneath you. Completely. And I don't get the fact that – I mean, I, I I know there's fetishes. There's all types of weird fetishes. Why in the fuck would you want to get pissed on?
2: I don't know.
1: In a public pub. I mean, think about it. Think about all that work that goes into it. He had to go pull out the bricks, undo the plumbing, you know – Make sure his head and shoulders would fit in there just to get pissed on. And he had a snorkel. That that disturbs me even more because he, he really thought about it. It wasn't someone just acting on impulse, you know. <clears throat> um, both the lovebirds are looking down at their phones. What are you guys looking at?
2: i mean some weird stuff.
1: Well, hit
3: me with it. Well, that. I was rereading that article, and then I, I went to Facebook for a second, and this is going to make you laugh because – um, this is something that you, you seen in your childhood. Okay.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes, bitch. Yes. That's the real Hulk Hogan right there. <laughs>
3: <laughs> what, what, what I showed him was, uh, the, these people photoshopped the picture of actual Hulk Hogan's face, face? into the Hulk from, it looked
1: like the Avengers. <laughs> That's good. What are you reading, Bets?
2: I was reading this list about um, <clears throat> 10 most bizarre animal experience, experiments in history.
1: Oh, I think our rating's about to jump up. Okay, hit us with it.
2: Um, the first one is The Two Headed Dogs, number 10. Um, it's basically about a scientist uh-huh. who uh, managed to achieve the feat in the early 1900s. He, his creation lasted for 26 minutes. He basically sewed another dog's head to that. Well, he was going to do a heart surgery, but sewn dog another dog's head to that dog. Uh-huh. And it lived. Back then, that was, like, crazy. You know what I'm saying? For
1: 26 minutes, it lived. Yeah.
2: And then the second one is about, uh, it says, male turkeys were aroused by su- by severed heads.
1: Do what?
2: It says, in the 1960s, Pennsylvania researchers Martin Shine and Edgar Hale observed that male turkeys mated with female turkey models as eagerly as... They would the real thing. Intrigued, the duo placed the male turkeys in a series of even weirder experiments. They, hit, they hypothesized that the male turkeys were erotically focused on the female's head. They slowly removed the model's body parts one by one until the head, was on, a sti- the head on a stick remained. Nonetheless, the male turkeys remained aroused by the head, and even preferred it over the headless body. <laughs> now, here's where the experiment truly gets bizarre. The researchers got a real, a real severed female turkey head and placed it on a stick. They also put a dried male head, a two-year-old weathered female head, and a head made of plain balsa wood. Undaunted, the male turkeys tried to mate with every single one of them. <laughs> um, the number eight is a monkey head transplant. It says American scientist Robert White is credited as the first man who successfully performed a true head pla- transplant, while Demikov granted <gasps> an extra head onto a living bo- a living dog's body. White went the extra mile and managed to transplant a severed monkey head to another specimen's decapitated body in the 70s. Prior to the operation, White had successfully attached a dog's brain onto another dog and kept a monkey's detached brain alive outside of its body. From an interview with White himself, the decapitated monkey revived after it was reattached to the body and even tried to bite a member of the team's member of White's team. However, the monkey couldn't move its body as there was no no method yet to reattach the brain to the spinal cord. The monkey lived for a day and a half before expiring. For reasons undisclosed, White never got the chance to try his method on human beings. However, present day scientists have said that we may see the first human head transplant in this century.
1: No, wait a minute. Was was that was that uh in Russia?
2: Yeah, his name was uh he had a Russian name. No, no, it wasn't Russia. No. No, they were talking about uh the the first guy I was talking about with the dogs. He uh-huh. was a Russian guy. Okay. This guy's name is White. Uh, number seven is Franken-Kitty.
1: Franken-Kitty. Oh, shit.
2: says so German scientist Carl August Weinhold believed that the human brain was like a battery that was attached to several wires, namely the nervous system. This real-life Dr. Frankenstein set out to prove his point in 1817. When he performed an experiment on a kitten, in his own words, Weinhold provided ex- explicitly explicitly gory details of his experiment. The animal lost all life, all sensory functions, voluntary muscle movements, and even its pulse. Afterwards, I filled both cavities with the aforementioned almagam? Uh Zinc and silver. For almost 20 minutes, the animal got into such a life state. Tension that it raised its head, opened its eyes, finally got up with obvious effort, hopped around and sank down with exhaustion. While Weinhold's experiment may be considered insane and unethical today, this was during the time when the science community was obsessed with reviving the dead. In fact, a year after Weinhold's experiment, Mary Shelley released her wildly popular classic novel, Frankenstein. Number six the Lazarus Project. This is what I thought was pretty interesting. In the 1930s, University of California researcher Robert Cornish believed he could revive dead organisms as long as they hadn't suffered major organ damage. He asphyxiated four fox terriers, which he named Lazarus, the biblical character whom Jesus brought back to life, and placed them in a seesaw-like machine. The odd contraption circulated the corpse's blood by moving up and down while Cornish administered a cocktail of adrenaline and anticoagulants. He failed to revive his first two subjects, but succeeded with the last two. Although blinded and severely brain damaged, Lazarus three and four lived for months at his home. The researcher became so famous at the univer- so infamous that the university kicked him off the campus, and he had to continue his work in a makeshift lab near his home. In 1947, Cornish reappeared with a new re- resurrection machine that looked and looked for a human volunteer, a prisoner on death row, Thomas McMinogal. M- M- I don't know how to say that. Volunteer for the project, but state officials were afraid that he, that they might have to free him after his execution and declined Cornish's request. The disheartened researcher went home and lived the rest of his life selling toothpaste.
5: Oh, shit.
2: <laughs> yeah. Number five is the shock puppy. This one's interesting to me, too. So the shock puppy experiment.
1: Uh-huh.
2: And they follow up to the infamous uh, Milgram experiment. Researchers uh, C.L. Sheridan and R.G. King came up with an even more brutal version. They hypothesized that some of the subjects suspected that – because the other um, – the Milgram experiment is basically where they put people in a cage and had other people shock them. Right. To see how much they would shock other people. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, they hypothesized that some of the subjects su- suspected that their human victim was faking the electric shock, so they decided to replace the victim with a live puppy. The shocks administered were harmless, but enough to elicit responses from the puppy. After the test, the researchers compiled their data – and reached a shocking conclusion. Of the twenty six subjects, thirteen men, thirteen women, all the women administered the socks up to the highest level. On the other hand, fifty percent of the men refused to administer any more shocks they perceived as severe. Really? Yeah, they were more inclined to be nicer to the puppy than the women were.
1: That's funny. I wonder why. Why, I don't know. why? well you're a woman?
2: I don't know. I wouldn't do that. I would be like, No. <sighs> to me it's heartless, but that's just me. I don't I don't like animal experience. I, I know it has to be done on certain aspects for like medicines like that, but stuff like this to me is just, there's no reason. Right. Number four is called an elephant high on LSD. Oh, shit. Oklahoma researchers Louis Oklahoma? Yeah. Oh, fuck. Louis Jolin West and Chester M. (laughs) Pierce wanted to find out what would happen when an elephant tripped on acid. (laughs) On August 1962, the researchers went to the local zoo and found a suitable subject named Tusco. Tusco? Yeah. Okay. Zoo director Warren Thomas, who fired an LSD... Filled syringe bullet right into the Tesco's rump. The syringe contained 297 milligrams of LSD. Holy fuck. That's about 3,000 times the normal dose for a human.
1: No, wait, hold on. we real fast. Now, I wonder how that went. You know, hi, I'm Dr. Such and Such, and uh, I, I want to inject LSD into your elephant's ass. Is that okay? Yeah, why not? Go for it. <laughs> it's the South. The South will rise again, right? Right?
2: The researchers disclosed that they wanted to see if LSD would induce m- mu- must. What do you say that? M U S T H.
1: M U S T H. Must. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. So they wanted to. It would induce must, a temporary aggression that male elephants experienced. So they opted for the absurdly high dose. The result was less than spectacular. Almost immediately, Tusco moved around erratically, and then he promptly kneeled over and died. The disastrous experiment made headlines and forced researchers to search for any meaningful lessons. Thomas suggested the LSD could be used to cool large and troublesome herds. Four wait, months wait, after wait, on,
1: wait, wait. So out of all this, he this, just fucking dies.
2: Right after they put all that LSD, it gave him basically a way too high of a dose. He OD'd on it. <sighs> Thomas suggested that the LSD could be used to cool large and troublesome herds. Four months after the debacle, the scientists stated that the obvious, that State of, the, uh, state of the obvious, in a scientific journal, elephants were highly sensitive to LSD. <laughs> this one's just weird to me.
1: Okay, what's, this is number three, right?
2: Yeah, dolphin gets intimate with a human. <sighs> in 1967, Dol, dolphin researcher John Lilly published his controversial book, The Mind of the Dolphin, which details his assistant Margaret Howe's time living and teaching a male dolphin named Peter to speak. The pair lived together in a flooded house for six months. How they did this, I don't know, but they flooded a house and put the dolphin in there. This is the 60s. Okay. So
1: yeah. Who knows? They, they were using LSD themselves. Yeah. They probably thought <laughs> they During were dolphins. At that time,
2: How played with Peter and taught him to speak basic English words. After a while, Peter became more amorous with, and repeatedly tried to mate with Margaret.
1: Wait, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on. Who's, now Peter's the dolphin. 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 So he's saying that the dolphin was speaking English. Yeah. LSD, I'm telling you, LSD. Okay, and now.
2: Well, I think you can teach dolphins how to like mimic English words because the way their vocal cords are made. Uh huh. Fuck you. Fuck you.
1: Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry.
2: Um. Finally, she aqu- I can't say that word.
1: Okay, back up a little bit because.
2: Okay. After a while, Peter became more amorous and repeatedly tried to mate with Margaret. Okay. Finally, I'll say she agreed to his sexual demands and stroked Peter's dolphin hood with her hands and feet. She even did this now, when
1: No I'm sorry, I know I keep this. She molested
2: this is some bestiality shit. She molested the dolphin basically.
1: No, but is she a doctor or what she is she? She was
2: a she was an assistant of this doctor. He was a researcher and this was his assistant. She lived with the dolphin. He was like researching what would happen and all this stuff.
1: So in other words, she gave the dolphin a handy.
2: Yeah, and a footy, basically.
1: At, on on the dolphin's request. Yes. Wow. Okay, go ahead.
2: <laughs> she even did this when other people were present. Towards the end, she concluded that Peter trusted her enough to be intimate with her. The strange the strange experiment did nothing to bolster Lily's reputation. Federal funding for his research stopped when, when authorities discovered he also gave dolphins LSD to make them talk.
1: I told you LSD <laughs> was hooked up in there somewhere.
3: That's fucking funny.
2: Number <laughs> two is jellyfish in space.
1: Hold on. Wait. I, I'm, I'm still... still on the <laughs> <that was> the, <laughs> the Dolphin.
2: This is the 60s. I don't know. I don't know why they thought that it would be okay for them basically to molest the dolphin and then write a book about it and think that they were going to get funding from the government for this.
5: Yeah. Hey. So that, the, that wasn't
2: why it stopped, though. That wasn't why their funding stopped. It stopped because he gave the dolphins drugs, not because they molested the dolphins. That was okay.
1: Yeah. It, you know. Peter, he, he's a, he's a good guy. You know, he, he has a kind of a, a weird fetish about them dolphin fish, but, uh, you know, he, he's a pretty good guy. I think we should (laughs) give him, uh, you know, some of that cash flow there. Oh, no, no, professor. They do LSD with the, the dolphins. I don't know why the second professor. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Not like a Mexican.
1: Oh, no. They do LSD with the, the dolphins, doctor. You, you, can, uh, put it in like homeland security and, and, you know, tap phone lines. Okay. Go ahead. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> this one's
2: called Jellyfish in Space. Doctor- that's the movie
1: in my, that's the name of my next movie. Yeah. Jellyfish in,
2: in space. space. Go ahead. Dr. Dorothy Spangenberg. Yes, yeah, Spangenberg. It's a weird ass name. A scientist with the the Eastern Virginia Medical School wanted to know what effects gravity would have on future humans born in space. And what better way to find out than launch a few thousand jellyfish there first. Seriously, no one had a better idea. On June 5th, 1991, she and her team packed 2,478 baby jellyfish alongside the crew of the Columbia Space Shuttle for their experiment. The jellyfish adapted well to orbit, and their numbers soon reached 60,000. Oh, shit. For mating. (laughs) Unfortunately, when they were brought back to Earth, these space-born jellyfish were, were noted to have greater pulsar abnormalities than usual, which was a fancy way of saying they had vertigo because they couldn't adapt to the gravity. The scientists concluded that humans who share similar gravity-sensing appendages with the jellyfish would likely experience the same problems if they were to be born in space and brought back to Earth.
1: Now, this is actually interesting because it's something similar to what I read. Yeah. Is... um. You know, they're 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 actually taking volunteers. They're gonna ship people off to Mars. But unfortunately it's a one way trip. You're not coming back home, you're going to Mars forever. And um one of the things that they were talking about is, you know, eventually when they because they'll keep sending, you know, ships out there, yeah. Continuum until they build a a civilization. Um, you know, to the point where they'll be able to build their own rocket ships and come back to Earth. Yeah. But they were saying that actual humanoid Martians, you know, humans that are born on Mars, they wouldn't be able to handle they living be, on Earth. Yeah, they wouldn't. Because of the the dense gravity that yeah. we have. So I actually find that kind of Well, it's cool to
2: know if you're born. Well, I guess, well, they say, like, if you're already here, you can adapt to that, but you can't adapt to this if you're there. Right. So it's cool to know that if you did go to space, you could adapt to it, but, they, but that your children would never be able to adapt to Earth's atmosphere again.
1: Right. I don't know. I find that kind of interesting, just on the level of, you know, they're they're planning to send fuckers out to Mars. I wouldn't go. Oh. How are you gonna get your you we'll know internet? Yeah, that's exactly.
2: Couldn't live without internet and video games.
1: Be like, Hey boys and girls, this is our first podcast from Mars. And that'd be about it because then <laughs> how would we get it back? Get it on the web.
2: Right. Okay, the, the last one is called Disembodied Doghead. Mm. This one's pretty creepy.
1: Okay, go for it. In
2: 1928, Russian scientist Sergei burke I can't even say... Han-
1: Berkhanovich?
2: No. Berk- Han- Han-
3: Berkhan... or er-
2: Berkhanenko?
3: Yeah, that's what it looks like. Berkhanenko. Sergei you know, B. Uh, shocked <laughs> yeah. his
2: fellow Soviet scientists when he presented his bizar- bizarre life support machine. He claimed his autojector machine made it possible to keep a head alive through continuous blood circulation while the rest of the body went through intensive surgery. To prove his point, he presented a film of what appeared to be a disembodied dog's head being tested to various stimulations. Amazingly, the head blinked when he shone light in its eyes and flinched when he banged a hammer on the table nearby. Finally, he, he fed the head a piece of cheese, which went through the uh, esophageal tube. We should note that this experiment has been hotly debated and was never independently verified.
1: Um, and the reason I say I know this one is because I believe that's the same guy. Remember, I, earlier I asked you if he was Russian. Yeah. There's one one uh, scientist. He was actually hired by the Russian government, and he was supposed to make super soldiers. Yeah. And and one of his theories was is he was going to mount uh neither it was human. Heads on gorilla bodies because mm-hmm. gorillas are obviously more stronger than, than humans, but humans are so intelligent that they could actually be more deadly of a soldier mm-hmm. or vice versa. I don't remember exactly what it is, but um, the the legend goes is he actually he was able to to put uh, I think it was a gorilla's head on a human is what it took, and once he he went to you know the the the, not the czar, you know, whoever the fuck it is, is who runs Russia. Yeah. He's like, look, look, comrade, you know, I did it. And they're like, boom, they shot him right there.
3: Really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Why?
1: <clears throat> the Russians.
2: <laughs> they're Russians? That's all the excuse we need, they're Russians.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you're
5: not my comrade, I will kill
1: you. I'm trying to make my best Russian, and you do a Russian like that? Come on! <laughs> <laughs> Why are you let me die like that for?
3: <laughs> well, Rebecca knows I'm good at doing impressions.
1: But uh, yeah, so seriously, he he went and he took and he's like, yeah, you know, I, I I've got it, to, you know, to survive on on the human body. And they felt that the scientist was uh, mad, so they they shot him. Oh. And I think this happened in like the 1940s, 1950s. You guys can look it up on Google. It's just one of those weird facts that you know when you're just surfing the web and, and, and you find shit that, you know, you're like, I don't know, you know, you're, you're you're looking like, well, where can I buy the next comic book? And you're finding you know people getting slaughtered for sewing heads together and shit. Yeah. That's that's how you find it. You're like, oh, let's click this,
3: see what this. Oh. <laughs> that's how you get to the weird side of YouTube. You look up comic books. Yeah. (laughs) Somehow I went from looking up video games to looking up comic books to looking up movie trailers to looking up fan-made fan movie trailers to looking back to comic books again.
2: No, I've got worse ones. Like, one time I was looking up music videos and all of a sudden I got to, like, the weird side of YouTube with, like, babies with, like, diseases and then from there to, like, childbirthing and then, like, real videos of childbirth. And then t- from there to, like, all these babies that died during childbirth and it showed it. I'm like, what? how did I get here? Like, this is so depressing and sick.
1: Yeah, that's that's why I'm constantly watching because right now that's Jay's favorite thing is is YouTube. Yeah. So I'm constantly trying to, like, keep an eye on him and, and where he goes. And plus with Zoe because Zoe loves YouTube. But Zoe, you know, for the most part, she she's smart enough. She knows where she wants to go. Yeah. You know, she, she likes to watch curious George and Mickey mouse, (coughs) but yeah, I've ended up on some weird places in fucking YouTube.
4: Mm -hmm.
1: Like, um, there's this one debate going on right now and I didn't know nothing about it until I seen the article on YouTube is, uh, one of the Miss Americas, you know, the next contestant for Miss America Mm -hmm. was born a dude. Oh, really? Yeah. I think I've seen that, actually. And the he, she, I don't know whether they're calling me here or she. Um, he's like, well, you know, the plumbing's gone, you know, so I'm not a dude. But you don't have... You you don't have real estrogen. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> so, I don't know. I mean, it's its called Miss America for... M- Mrs. Sir... And I know I'll we'll probably get hate mail, you know, from that, but I don't know. That's just one of the weird places I've gone to, you know, just kind of ended up on. Um, fuck, where else have I gone? Um. Uh... Cosplay, you know, I was trying to find, you know, more information about cosplay. Yeah. I ended up some weird ass fucking, I, I don't even know why they're called cosplay, but that was just like weird. Like, <laughs> people, people like shitting on each other and. and oh my god. That is like, not cosplay. That is
3: so not cosplay.
1: I, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, you just dig, you dig hard enough, you're gonna find some weird
3: ass shit. Yeah. I, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, Sometimes you can, like, you catch yourself, you're like, no, I got to, no, I'm not doing this. Not again. It's, it's like getting sucked into the wormhole. It it's is.
1: Like... It's like, um, what was it? I'm trying to remember the last time I, I ended up there. And it was actually here in this house. I was digging around. And you see this really feminine hand holding like a dessert cup. Mm-hmm. You know, like how you go and get uh, self-serve ice cream. Yeah. And that type of dessert cup. And you see it under a butt.
4: My God. <laughs> and, and it's like,
1: I know what's about to happen and I really don't want to see it, but at the same time, are they really going to do it? You know, so I sat there for like a good five minutes. Am I going to push play? Am I not going to push play? Yeah. Chick shit in a cup. That was pretty much it. Yeah. Uh, Weird stuff on YouTube. What are you looking up now? I see that you both are kind of
3: hovering around oh, the phone. I was looking at- she likes stuff. to. We mentioned she mentioned this on one of our other episodes that she likes to go to the site. There's a bunch of weird stuff on it. That's where you're at, huh? Yeah. Are you on the Huffington Post? No. no. <laughs> it's something like the Huffington Post, but it's not. It's called Listverse.
2: I've been going to this site for years.
3: <clears throat> she was telling me she's like, yeah, she's like, when I was with my ex. Like, whenever he wouldn't want to do anything with me, uh-huh. he'd always bitch at me. I'd come out here and go on my laptop and just look at this shit for hours.
2: Hours. <laughs> hours. like, what are you doing? I'm looking at this for still, because I could be on here for, like, days.
1: Well, is there anything good on there that you can share with some, you know,
3: share with There's listeners? all
2: kinds of stuff. There's all kinds of well, categories. But... Grab
3: something and let's go with it. Okay, one, on. one, one time she- Peek my curiosity. One time she showed me this thing. She's like, I was like, what are you looking at? She's like, this thing that I like to go to. I was like, "What is it called?" She's like, "It's called Lispers, and it has like a bunch of like different articles about stuff." She showed me like morbid, uh, uh, human, um, morbid human, uh, abductions or something like that. And really, it, it was about like missing people, but they f- they didn't f- necessarily find the missing people. They found pieces of the missing oh, people. Oh shit. Yeah, and it was like... Like Seven-type shit. Yeah.
1: You've seen Seven with Brad Pitt? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, what is that, Kevin Spacey? Spacey. Okay, what do you got?
2: Here's a... um, This one's from the animals category. Oh, okay. This isn't bestiality, though. This one's 10 awesome species we just discovered. Okay. The first species is the legless lizard.
1: The legless lizard. Actually... Legolas. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Actually, Lacey and um, Sadie Burbank—they talked about the legless lizard.
2: Yeah, it's it's like a—it looks like some type of snake. Really weird. What else? Um, they have the. A Apalit. No, what is that? Um, I think it's a shark. It looks like a. um Says these remarkable animals are perfectly suited to their environment as their streamlined bodies move through water with ease, together with a variety of evolutionary advantages such as a sonar, incredibly powerful scent glands, large muscular bodies, and rows and rows of t- treacherous teeth at their disposal. It's hard to think of anything else they could possibly excel at. Well, it's time, it's time to add walking to that list. The Paulet discovered in Indonesia used its fins to walk across the ocean floor in wiggle pattern like. Underwater salamanders.
1: A walking fucking
3: shark. Yeah. Holy shit.
2: That's crazy. They could
3: probably only do that because of the density of the water. <laughs> if they were <laughs> on land, they'd be like,
2: <laughs> Yeah, but still, it's still trying to shimmy back. They could walk up to the the like shallow waters and bite the shit out your foot. Yeah. <laughs> this one is the linguito. Says it's rare to discover a new mammal of any kind. This is a new mammal. Okay. It's even rare to discover a carnivorous mammal in the Western Hemisphere. The last recorded finding was in 2010 in Madagascar, when a new type of mongoose-like creature was discovered. Previously, a Colombian weasel was discovered in 1978. Needless to say, it's kind of a big deal. Even more impressive is that the new species is incredibly diverse. Scientists making the discovery believe that there there may be up to four separate subspecies, completely unheard of. Christopher Helgen. The researcher who made the discovery believes this may be the last time in history of such an event, that such an event can occur. The new animal, called the ongulito, lives in the cloud forests of the Andes in Ecuador and Colombia. The name derives from the relatives, the olingos, with the Spanish suffix ito meaning little, added, added in reference to their smaller size. Angelitos also are also identical to olingos to the degree that they have been mislabeled for years as the same species. Due to their secluded and effuscated environment, it was difficult for explorers to find the tiny creatures amid the dense fog in the upper rainforest. They may share their name with ongletos, but they should not be considered the same species by any stretch of the imagination.
1: I was thinking lingoliers, actually. They only
2: share, their, they only share 90% of DNA compared to humans who share 95% with chimpanzees.
1: Hmm.
2: Spiny, bokey meekot rat. Okay. Um... It's a pretty well-received theory that modern-day mammals evolved from a type of rodent-like creature that existed millions of years ago. Now, in the same location where Charles Darwin and Alfred Russell Wallace first developed their theory of evolution, a new rodent has been discovered. Russell believes that in the mountainous regions of Halmahera and the Moluccas, there existed a line that defined two separate evolutionary uh, trends. One side represented that of Australian... Wait, how do you say that? Australasian?
3: Yeah, Australasian.
2: That is Australasian.
3: Australasian no. is the... It's... Remember we were watching that, uh, that sushi film?
2: Yeah. Oh, okay. Never mind. I know. It's that area.
3: Yeah. Okay, it's a region. Or, yeah, origin
2: yeah. while the inhabitants of the other side came from Asia. The new find, a small rodent, of course, brownish gray fur, and white underbelly, Represents an entire new genus for the region. The finding reinforces Wall's theory that exactly 100 years after his death, initial investigation reveals the rat is omnivorous and displays DNA characteristics of, a tip- of the typical animals arriving from the West through Asia. This is so tiny, this frog they discovered. It's smaller than... It's like a quarter size of a quarter.
3: Oh, wow. It's called an Oreo, Oreo friend, friend. friend.
2: Oreo friend. Uh... Papua New Guinea is a hotbed of evolutionary discoveries. The world's smallest vertebrae was discovered recently in the form of the pato amanius species. Three new frog discoveries. And it says, brings the number of species in this genus up to seven, each measuring only 20 millimeters. Tiny.
1: Holy shit.
2: Estimates predict that there are still at least a dozen more species to be discovered from the region because large portions of the terrain have not yet been surveyed. More than just the discovery of one new species, an entire new ecosystem is being uncovered. What the heck is that? Liar <clears throat> sponge. A liar? Yeah, L Y R E. Okay. Or Lear. Maybe it's a leer sponge. Le-
1: what is it? Liar sponge. Oh, it is a liar? Uh-huh.
2: Okay. Liar sponge.
1: That's Terry Sure, by the way. In also the background. referred to as
2: the harp sponge. It looks like a harp, that's why they called that. Okay. Due to its shape that resembles a harp, it's a little bit different and a little more creepy than your average sponge. This is supposed to be a sponge. Look at this. Okay. That's a sponge. Oh,
1: wow. That doesn't even look real. Shall tear real fast. He was speaking.
2: Um, it has continued to prove the lengths to which nature will go to survive in inhospitable conditions. And it doesn't get much more inhospitable than 30,000 meters below the ocean's surface. Holy shit. The lyre sponge is a candelabra-shaped carniv- carnivorous animal that attaches itself to the ocean floor. Long finger-like extensions protrude from its veins, which can carry in numbers of, from, two, uh, from two up to six. Small barbs on the fingers snare passing fish, which are encased in a membrane and digested. I think it eats fish.
1: That's freaking weird. And it's a sponge, though.
2: Yeah. It's weird looking. Okay, number four is Carolina Hammerhead. New, another new shark they found. Carolina.
1: I was gonna say, to me, they're finding
2: like, a new, like, uh, ocean creatures every day. Like,
1: <coughs> I was gonna say to me, Carolina hammerhead sounds like the new, you know, moonshine. <laughs> for real.
2: The Carolina hammerhead was named for the region in which it was discovered. This shark was first identified in 2006, but went through it went without a name for years. The primary characteristic of the Carolina hammerhead which distinguishes it from the nearly identical scalloped hammerhead, is the number of vertebrae. The new species has roughly 10 fewer vertebrae than its relatives. Unlike their appearance, the DNA of the two species are significantly different. Okay. So, so it looks basically the same as it, but they have different DNA, which is weird to me.
1: Okay. That kind of makes sense.
2: That is so cute. <laughs> Colombian tailor bird. Cambodian. Oh, Cam- oh, sorry. Cambodian. Leave me alone. This is really... It's like a little finch.
3: It does. It looks like it has a red mohawk.
2: Yeah, like a little finch with a red mohawk. What else you got? North Atlantic killer whale. A new killer whale they found. Well, I know that, like, I was, I remember when I was in, um, in biology class a few years ago, and they were saying, like, like the, um, the walruses. Uh huh. Like, there's the ones that live, like, in the Atlantic and the ones that live in the Pacific. Uh huh. And, that they're separated by the the ice caps or whatever. And they're saying that, like, they don't even know if they're if they're different species or not. Really? The only way to tell if they're different species, well, other than doing, like...
1: Genetic testing.
2: But even at that, if they can't, if they won't mate. Because there's these things called walruses. They're not walruses. They're, walru- they're fish walruses. Uh-huh. And they don't mate, but they're the same exact species. They have the same DNA. But they really? won't mate. The ones, some live on the bottom of the ocean some on the top, and they won't mate with each other.
1: That's weird.
2: Yeah, so they, it makes them basically two different species, like a subspecies of each other.
1: That's, that is weird.
2: Yeah, this is a fourth species of, uh, of killer whales that have been spotted in the Indian Ocean.
3: <clears throat>
2: and then the last... Ooh,
3: okay. Ooh. That thing. Oh, my God. It's fucking gnarly looking. The
2: last one is the tiger spider.
3: Oh, I don't even like
1: the name of it.
2: For the squeamish or even remotely... Uh, arachnophobic, the jungles of Sri Lanka are most likely already on your list of places to avoid. Recently, another large addition was added to the list for reasons why. A newly discovered tarantula species is described as face-sized, Holy measuring fuck. about 20 centimeters, eight, in, 8 inches across.
3: It's almost a foot long. Fuck, dude!
2: Redefining creepy, the tarantula is remarkable for the gray and yellow stripes along its legs and body. The giant spider... Prefer established old trees, but have recently moved into old and abandoned buildings because of deforestation. Ooh, that's what I want to find, you know? Yeah, really? During the effort to identify the new species, a police detective was employed to locate the creatures, many of which were found inside a local hospital. Oh, that's that's what I
1: need to fucking hear.
2: At least we're not in Sri Lanka.
1: Yeah, that's true.
2: This thing, I mean, it's beautiful, but it's terrifying.
3: Yeah, to notice that could be bigger than your face. Oh, fuck, no. Because tarantulas are
2: big as it is, but that's like a giant tarantula.
1: Holy shit in a half shell, man. Fuck me. No, 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 Ten
2: years from now, everybody in the United States will have one as a pet.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And it'll be all my fault.
2: Mommy, my science teacher has a spider.
4: Oh!
1: Yeah, no. No, 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 no. Yeah, I'm not. It makes me think of that movie... Um, not, not the silly one, eight legged freaks, but, yeah. uh, uh, arachnophobia. Yeah. The one that came out in the 90s. Was it 80s or 90s? It was the 90s. Fuck, dude. That Uh, uh, I don't, I don't, you know, people like, well, it it's good for the environment, for the ecosystem. No, fuck that. I see one, they're dead. And yeah. I, I don't
3: care if I'm walking down the street, they're dead. The, the thing that I like. You have to kill
2: that thing with a shovel or a shotgun.
3: <laughs> what I like to do. As I, like, if I see a spider on the wall or something, I'll, like, kinda smash it, and then I'll take, like, a pencil or something, and I'll stick it through the abdomen, and I'll walk over to the stove and crisp it.
1: <laughs> Just makes it of that some bitch.
3: Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, look, look, it's fried. You want some shishkabash? She's like, get that fucking thing out of my face.
1: You know, we actually have a, a patient at the hospital who got bit by a reckless. Mm. And,
2: they say there's no recluse up here. They say that all we have is the cousin of the recluse.
1: Well, I know that it – now, this is going to sound kind of gross, but this is this is true. Um, he got bit, and he just kind of let it go until mm. the skin rotted off, and the spider was able to get inside of his leg uh. and laid – Oh, my God. And, leg, and the eggs were inside of his leg, and they hatched, so he had spiders inside of his system. And pretty much from the the knee down to his foot is essentially rotten.
2: Oh, my God.
1: And that's, that's a true story, kids.
2: I know. A, He's
1: like, you want to see it? I'm like, no.
2: This girl, I know she got bit on her butt. And she didn't think anything about it and then like she had her mom she's like, Mom, well, look at my look at this, it hurts. Like and then she seen that the the skin was like deteriorating. She's uh-huh. like, You need to go to the hospital. They told her that it wasn't a recluse that bitter, that it was the cousin that we have here, and it's not as deadly or whatever. That's
3: bullshit.
2: But she had a really bad infection, like staph infection, everything from that. Really? Yeah.
1: <clears throat> so that you know, that's uh I don't know if it's picking up outside, folks, but there's actually talking outside my window. That's kind of weird, at this late at night. You hear it? Oh, I don't know. But anyway, the the moral of the story of this is is you see a spider,
3: kill the motherfucker. I, I don't matter. It, the thing that gets me is like people are like, oh, don't kill the spider, leave him alone. I'm like that bitch will lay thousands of eggs in your house, and you want those thousands of eggs to crawl in your there's mouth? As a you guy, sleep.
2: There's a guy. There's a guy in um no. in. Australia, and he makes YouTube videos about spiders and stuff like that that he finds in his house. He's a really nice house in Australia, and I guess, like, he lives out by, like, a washed desert area, and, like, they uh-huh. come into his house, and these freaking spiders are huge, and he captures those spiders and lets them go outside. I'm like, why? They're just going to come right back in. Yeah. There was one uh, video where he had a spider up in the corner of his wall, and it had, like, made a web, and this spider was a good, like, six inches long. Fuck. No. And a lot of those spiders in Australia are poisonous. A lot of anything in Australia is poisonous. Yeah, he he has a little daughter who's probably about, like, Zoe's age, maybe a little bit older. And he just lets him go outside. I'm like, really? That could eat your kid.
1: (laughs) For reals. That's
3: why I I I'd be, like, it all over again. How the cocoon's, (laughs) like, hanging from the... (laughs) (laughs) That's why I have no desire to go to
1: Australia. They've got fucking man-eating sharks... On the water or man in the water.
2: Man-eating spiders, man-eating snakes. I was gonna
1: say man-eating. Yeah, man-eating spiders and snakes up on. The, you're fucked. Water or land, you're fucked. Just you can keep
2: it. Dingoes are. They say that dingoes and uh, kangaroos are really like violent too, like aggressive. You're <laughs>
1: really? pretty much screwed. Yeah, yeah. I, that's not one of my top ten places to go. Um, you know, I I'd, I'd probably rather go visit this. You know, pub where you get pissed on first and, <laughs> you know, going out there. That's just some place now. Um, and then I don't know if we actually talked about it on, on our podcast, but, you know, I found that scorpion. I
2: don't think we talked about it,
1: but yeah. We found a, a
3: scorpion in the, the cupboard. That ah, fucker. Actually, yeah, I think you mentioned it. I'm not sure if we did talk about it on the podcast, but I, I remember you mentioning it too.
2: No, us. I told you about it. <laughs> he never told me about it, but I seen Lacey post a thing about right.
3: it. Well, I
1: wrapped it up, beat it with my shoe a couple times, then you know beat it a couple more, and then flushed it down the toilet. Uh, uh, how big number. was it? Uh, probably about that big.
2: <laughs>
1: Lacey said it was uh, uh well, how many inches is that? You think about four three. inches? That's or about four. three. Three to four inches. She said it was just a baby too. I'm like, oh fuck that. Yeah, yeah
2: scorpions, yeah, scorpions get, big. get
3: big. Yeah, they can go. They can. Get up to about a foot long.
2: Well, tail and everything.
3: Yeah.
1: So, no, 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 no. I, I just, I don't like bugs. I don't like anything. In fact, I guess this is a good note to go out on. Um, there was, now you guys know what a pincher bug is, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was a person that came in the hospital, had an earache, and when they went in with the otoscope to check into the ear, they seen that there was a a, a earwig or a pincher bug mm-hmm. stuck in the ear. And it was so lodged in the ear they couldn't just pull it out with the tweezers. They had
3: to do surgery on him?
1: No, no. What they did is they actually took lidocaine and they dripped it on the the earwig. It dissolved it? No, it, it it froze him where he couldn't move. And then that's when they went in with the, the utensils and and pull it out of the person's ear. My God. And that was well, that happened in Victorville because a, a friend of mine works multiple different places, mm-hmm. and um, it's the the county, I guess, equivalent to the county up here is where this patient went in. And, yeah. And I got an earache. So fuck, you know, now from here on out, anytime I get an earache. Like, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Gotta and that is
3: why I would never want to go into the medical field. Why is that? Just because of the absurd fucking shit you would see every day. How the hell is somebody going to find out that they got spiders crawling inside of them? How the hell? What about
2: those people that show monsters inside of me where that guy had freaking larvae in his head, and they kept telling him he was crazy? Yeah. Yeah, he's like, I hear a noise, in my, like, I hear it in my head. I feel stuff in my head. Oh, there's nothing, there's nothing. Finally, it goes, and I guess a, fly, a certain type of fly burrowed into his head, laid eggs, left, the hole healed, and the baby's hatched. Oh. And he could feel them and hear, he could actually hear them.
1: See, now, Lacey likes watching that stuff. I don't like watching yeah, that Yeah, I stuff. don't, I don't like watching that no. stuff. that. Uh, a nasty, another nasty one is, um, a lady comes in, wheelchair, and believe it or not, she's only like my age, but she looks like she's 80. Uh-huh. And she has, um, plastic, uh, like Stater Brothers food grocery bags wrapped around her legs. And she came in for something else, completely not unrelated. Yeah. Um, and they're like, well, what's wrong with your legs? And she's like, oh, you know, da 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 da, just blowing it off. And finally, um, they convinced her to take off the the um plastic bags and she had big old gaping wounds from being a diabetic, you know, because pressure ulcers are very easy yeah. to you know, when you're diabetic. Well <clears throat> the nice thing is is because of this she didn't lose her legs because they actually kept the, the area clean.
2: She had maggots all on her she legs. She had
1: maggots all on her legs. And yes. they're
2: keeping all the dead flesh off, keeping yep. the infection out. Yep. She knew she had maggots in her legs or she didn't know? She knew. And she didn't care.
1: She was out there.
2: She probably put them in there.
1: (laughs) It wouldn't surprise me. She's
2: probably like, I've seen this on TV. Yeah. It's going to work for me.
1: All right, kids. Uh, We've got two more shows. Well, actually, we have, this is 48. So next week is 49. And then we hit episode 50. And then after that, Two more weeks and then we have the the big anniversary uh, episode, episode 52. I'm really, really, really excited about this. Are you guys looking forward to it?
3: Yeah. Yeah. Um, About time we update our
1: cover photo. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So don't forget to bring in your headsets.
3: Yeah, it's my fault. (laughs) again.
1: by that time, I will have a headset. And Sadie is going to bring in her mic. So the only people that are going to have to share mics is, uh, Terry D. Shear and Reaper Rick, which I can't wait because I want to see both of them people at the table at the same time. It's going to be great. And then, um, like I said, we're getting a, we're getting a, a cake and all that shit. And, and, uh, I think. I guess maybe just kind of give you guys a heads up to think about what you're going to talk about. I think we're going to talk about what out of all of our podcasts, because we've done a lot of fucking podcasts. We really have. Uh, you know, what, what is your favorite moment out of your podcast? So, and of course, fortunate for you is you can go back and listen to them and, you know, and and think about what your favorite one is. And and we're going to go around the table and, and that's what we're going to do. Um, and then. I think there's some people that are going to drop in and say hi, um, so I, I'm really looking forward to this. It, it marks a milestone for the fact not just us seeing red that you know we've we've actually made it to that mark, but for the JZL modcast and for all those people that actually thought I was a fucking weirdo, you know, leaving publishing behind and, and going into podcasting. This is just kind of a haha. Hooray for us.
3: Right. (laughs)
1: All right. That's enough for this week, kids. So I'm David K. Montoya.
2: I'm Rebecca C. Lofgren.
1: And
3: I'm Aaron Illich.
1: In the jungle, the mighty jungle. The the (laughs) spider. If you don't like animals, or my singing for that matter, you might be seeing red. (laughs) Good night. Now, I get, you know weird fetishes, okay? I, I get that. You know, some people have high heel fetish or leather latex fetish or the, you know, whips and chains and ball shit that uh, they have. It's It's all a fetish. I get that. But, you know, to literally carve a hole out of a wall so you can stick your head in there so somebody can pee on you as a fetish, that's eh, I have to admit, that's kind of on the extreme end of things, folks. But nonetheless, that was good. The medical experience, uh or experiments, rather, that that was always that just weird. Um I, I've never I don't know. But it was a good show and very enjoyable. And that was number forty eight of Scene Red. Okay, kids, let's go ahead and just jump right back into things, and let's get the second show going here so we can enjoy another Jay Mod podcast. Okay. Let's grab this one and see what we got. Okay, the next one is... Ooh, this is a good one. News, views, and reviews... Number 9. It was released April 3rd, 2013. And it is Reaper Rick's Tree Frog Exposé. Formerly News, Views, and Reviews. Number 9. And this one is called Spirits. And we've got... Rick returns this week with an In a rather dark mood As he talks about spirits He ponders if they are real And what is life like after death Then examines the entire phenomenon In a scientific Viewpoint That I, I I'm pretty sure I remember that one um, But let's just go ahead and sit back And let's hear what Reaper Rick has to say about Spirits And welcome back
6: everyone I am Reaper Rick, and you are not. Well, we're not uh, not going to have any news tonight. Uh, news is disgusting, but uh, what I would like to talk about tonight is spirits. Spirits of the afterlife, are there spirits? When I was younger, I had no idea what uh, might await us when we die. Didn't believe in heaven. I wasn't really a Christian, so uh, there wasn't that. I kind of liked the idea of Valhalla. You know, all you do is eat and drink and have sex and fight for eternity. Doesn't sound too bad. But the point is no one really, really knows what happens to us after we die. But in the past 10 years or so, there has certainly been a lot of evidence produced that would strongly suggest there is something after death. All these shows that uh, indicate spirit presences from EVPs to full-bodied apparitions, shadow people, I've even seen ghost pets, dogs and cats. At least that's what they report them to be, and it certainly looks like it. The thing that bugs me about most of those shows is that even when they get hold of a spirit who is talking to them intelligently answering questions, they don't ask pertinent questions. You know, what is your name? What year is it? Can you tell me what street this house is on? Oh, come on. Who gives a shit? Why don't you ask them important questions like, what the fuck happens to you after you die? Where do you go? Do you see a long tunnel with a bright light at the end of it? You know, are there, are there spirits standing along the, the tunnel trying to, you know, sell you things as you head down toward the light? Are they making fun of you because you're the newbie? I don't know. Nobody has ever asked a spirit, you know, did you see God? Is there a God? What What is there after death? That's what we want to know, for Christ's sake. Don't want to know what color your fucking pants are. Good Lord. So... What is there? Don't know. But someday soon I may find out. And, you know, that's the the last big challenge that we face. Is there something after death and and what are we going to do after we die? According to all of these, uh, you know, ghost-finding shows and everything, I mean, there are obviously hundreds if not thousands of spirits roaming around places, but certainly not enough spirits to account for all of the people who have died over the years. So, what happens to the other ones? What happens to the spirits that don't stay earthbound? Are there spirits that don't stay earthbound? What happens afterwards? Don't know. Why do some spirits even stick around? Um, You know, according to many of the ghost shows, not all spirits that stay earthbound are evil. Some just stay because they apparently like the place where they died. But who says spirit can stay or can't stay you know, I, I believe in, in spirits uh, there's just too much evidence to disprove their existence so Do you have a choice? You know, when you die, do you have a choice to stay here? Or do you have to go somewhere? Do the spirits who stay here, are they rebelling against the status quo of spirits? I would like to think that, uh, if I wanted to stay earthbound, you know, if it was a choice, I'd like to stick around maybe for a while and see what things are like when you're gone. So anyway... If, uh, any of the listeners out there would like me to stop by after I'm gone and say hello, uh, just, uh, leave me a message here and I'll see what I can do about it. You know, on the JASIMON site there, uh, there's a comment section, so... If anybody wants to leave me a message uh, requesting an appearance after I'm gone, just, you know, stop by and uh, leave your name, don't need an address, shouldn't need an address, just uh, let me know who you are and I'll try to stop by and say hello when I reach the other side. That should be fun. You know, there's also those uh, shows that have the mediums on them who claim they can speak to deceased relatives or, or friends or whatever. I've never seen one of those people, those mediums, never seen them ask questions either no. and when you have a, an intelligent spirit conversation spirit who will answer questions they never ask what is on the other side what is there who's there <sighs> almost like a conspiracy. But we'll all find out eventually. One way or the other. Alright, well, enough of that crap. Um, I'm going to mention a couple of uh, interesting television shows that are available now, just because I like them uh, something that uh, just recently started was the uh, robot combat league you know, when I first heard that was coming out I, I thought well, what the hell is that you know is it going to be like a, a big rock'em sock'em robot kind of game turns out it actually is uh They have eight-foot-tall robots that weigh about 750 pounds apiece and two people control each robot. One person sits in a chair and controls the uh, the movement of the robot back and forth, side to side. Then you have somebody else that is wearing one of these contraptions where When you move your arm or hand, the robot moves its arms and hands. Well, the hands, not so much because they're big fists. But anyway, one person controls the punching action of the robot, and the other person controls the the foot action of the robot. And it's actually an an interesting concept, and these two robots go. And it is just like a giant rock-em-sock robot kind of game, you know. They punch at each other and punch at each other until um, something breaks on one of the robots. And then they have to uh, fix it. And I think they have like three two-minute rounds or something. Anyway, it's kind of a funny show. But uh, it's interesting, especially if you're a robot geek. But uh, anyway... You might, might want to check that out. I think it's on the Sci-Fi Channel. Another interesting show, and I like this because I'm interested in, in history and archaeology, is a show called America Unearthed. And a forensic geologist is going all over the country investigating... Sites that are considered pre-Columbian, and that just means sites that uh, are before Columbus discovered America. Which you know is Columbus did not discover America. Okay, Columbus discovered first time. He discovered basically Haiti and Santo Domingo. The other time when he came out, he discovered some other Caribbean islands and then he went down to South America. America was discovered by a guy named Giuseppe Americus, which is why we're called, you know, it's called America because it was named after him. If Columbus had discovered America, it would be called Columbusville, something anyway this forensic geologist goes around like uh, the American Stonehenge in uh, New Hampshire and he examines these, these places tries to find out how old they are, tries to find out who built them and why and if you're interested at all in early cultures and uh, history. This is really cool because it has basically shown that all over the country there are sites where Europeans, Celts sometimes have they found sites where people Europeans have come to the United States hundreds of years before Columbus. We already know that the Vikings were in the Nova Scotia area 1,000 years before Columbus. Oops, I'm sorry. 1,000 AD, which is almost 500 years before Columbus, but... This show has proven that uh, people were here long before the Vikings even, so that's a cool show. That's on uh, H2, the History 2 channel, if you're all interested. Check it out. It's cool. One of the many things that this forensic geologist discovered at the American Stonehenge was that uh, whoever built it had set large rocks up which coincided with both the summer and winter solstices as well as the spring and autumn equinox. And Interestingly enough, the uh, setting for the summer solstice sunrise is in a direct line with the English Stonehenge sunrise on the summer solstice. And something that uh, has always bothered me with, uh, primitive people all over the world they have discovered similar structures, stone structures which designate the summer solstice or the winter solstice um, and the equinoxes You know, and some of these structures are thousands of miles apart and sometimes thousands of years apart in history. And something I've always wondered about is how did these primitive people know when these solstices would occur because everyone had a different calendar and they were usually different. Some society civilizations had 13 months in their year different days, different, different everything. And yet, they all figured out somehow the exact day of the solstices and the equinox equinoxes. Equinoxes? I I don't know. <clears throat> How were they able to do that? especially this in in the, you know, the, the northern hemisphere. It's usually still quite chilly when the spring equinox arrives. And it's frequently cloudy. And yet, all of these primitive people were able to discover which day the solstice would come. How, how could they know that? There, there is no way all these different civilizations all over the world, could have found, by sheer luck, the two solstices and the two equinoxes. So, unless... someone told them. That's entirely possible, I suppose, if someone was traveling around the world and informing all these different groups of people exactly when day was, but they would need a very accurate calendar, especially considering that periodically the uh, solstices and equinoxes arrive on different days. This year, the uh, spring equinox is coming a day earlier than usual. It's on March 20th this year instead of the 21st, where it usually is. I suppose that uh, in the general scheme of things, one day off wouldn't be that much of a problem when you're worrying about when to plant your seeds and whatnot for the coming harvest, but uh, even so, how did they do this with basically poor rudimentary knowledge of the stars? I still don't understand how that could have been done unless a more intelligent race of people or creatures informed all of these different civilizations when the sun would rise. Solstice. So who could have done that? Who could have told all these different civilizations when and what to do? Well, of course the ancient astronaut theorists, theorists, believe they have the answer in that aliens came down from the sky and informed our ancestors about such things as astronomy and architecture perhaps how to plant and grow food. I don't know. There's, there's so much that we do not know about our own history. You know, I've always thought that uh, historians did not give our ancient ancestors enough credit for the intelligence they could have, could have possessed. There are many things that ancient man was able to do that sometimes I just feel that uh, Assume that ancient man was primitive and less intelligent than modern man is. But considering what ancient man was able to accomplish. Well, it makes sure, you make sure wonder what was really going on back then. We may know someday what was really going on, you know, thousands of years ago. Seems like, uh, Every year, new discoveries uh, tell us more. But every year, they seem to discover things that are even more bizarre and more curious. So. I wonder if when we die, we find out the answers to all of these questions. I guess if you go somewhere where you have quadrillion souls, somebody would have to know something. I mean, what happens to our spirit? I mean, is it... you go and... Your spirit for eternity. I mean, does everybody die, go someplace, and uh, stays there forever? Are we going to run into cavemen and ancient Phoenicians, and Sumerians, and people who? were there? Egyptians? People who built the pyramids? Are we going to find out what they were really for? Who really built them? Why? Well, that's another curious thought, isn't it? Perhaps when we die, we will find out all of these secrets. Never know. Won't know until we get there.
5: And now a word from our sponsors. Before 1971, a young S. Sadie Burbank could only imagine a simple American life as a loving wife and mother. That was her goal when she first married in 1959 at the age of 18, but with the wild social revolution of the nineteen sixties, Burbank's idea of a perfect life would quickly change as she left behind her family to begin a new existence of her own. Her journey would find her on a plane headed toward her new lover, Steve, who was halfway across the world, waiting her arrival in a small bush camp in the country of Liberia. Once there, Sadie is greeted with a fascinating, strange world and plunges herself into the exotic land of the bush. less than six months later, Sadie would realize all was not as it seemed, and Steve was not the man she fell in love with. Burbank found herself desperately seeking escape from the camp and her lover as she raced back to Roberts Field Airport, literally running for her life. Based on an unbelievably true story by S. Sadie Burbank, Red Hill's
0: Are you looking for a new book, comic, or apparel from your favorite MythWorks or independent creators? Then you're in the right place. Introducing the all-new redesigned MythMart store. Now bigger, badder, better. Sign up and become a member and receive 10-50% to 50% off on selected items. Get the all-new Terry D. Shearer's Bloody Hell t-shirt or non-members can pick up one of our e-books for only $4.95. Or go into the past and relive the 90s with MythWorks Comics Classics for $3.99. The new MythMart. Bigger. Badder. Better. Visit MythMart at www.mythworks.com slash MythMart. Or find us on Facebook for extra savings. Do you own a business or have an item you want to sling? Do you want a chance to reach potential customers? Do you want to make some extra cash? Then here's your chance. For $50, you can have a one to two minute commercial featured on each of our shows for an entire month. With six shows a week, that's only $2.09 per podcast. Plus, for an extra $10, your item will be placed into MythMart. So sit back and relax as they handle all stages of transactions contact our ad department at info at jzelmon.com.
6: well that's just one more question of the thousands or so And if there are spirits of dogs and cats roaming the spirit world I guess that means animals have souls or at least spirits that are able to manifest after they're dead and and stick around for who knows how long. So perhaps people are not that special after all. If animals have souls or spirits, why do we kill them just to flesh. That's something that has bothered me more and more as I get older, too. I've been a vegetarian for over 40 years, but I just, I, I can't see how people can willingly destroy another creature, a creature who has a brain, who can think, have feelings, who show love. I don't know. It just doesn't make any sense to me why people think they are so much better than every other living thing on this planet. If we were so much better than every other living thing, then you would think by now we would have discovered that we share this planet with all the other living things on it. We are not. Dominion, we do not have dominion over the earth. We are merely visitors here. And when you all fucking die, you all find out the answers to everything. But anyway, talking about that stuff is just depressing to me, so... Get back to the spirit world for a bit here. You know, in uh, England and Europe, they've discovered spirits who have been hanging around castles and such for hundreds of years. So, Can spirits decide how long they hang out in a certain place, or how long they stay earthbound? Does it matter to them? Does it matter to anyone who might conceivably have control of the spirit realm? The um, universe is vast technically infinite, but there is an edge out there 14 and a half billion light-years away. But beyond where the first stars and such were born, what, what's out there just more vast emptiness? The universe has been expanding for 14 and a half billion years continue to expand until all the stars finally weed out. So where do the spirits go when they die? That's why I brought up the universe. Do they just spread out? Is there some place for them to go? Do they do what they want? Do they exist forever? Or do spirits like stars eventually wear themselves out, basically? I don't want to say die because they're already dead, but what do they do? Fade away? Is there a limit to... Spirit is able to survive. It's just energy, after all. They say that uh, energy can't be destroyed. It is only—it only changes, changes form, changes shape. So do spirits slowly fade away, do they run out of energy? Do they use it all up. What happens then? Do they become Stardust again? We are, after all, made of Stardust. Is that what happens after the spirit is no longer? Does it just fade away into dust again to be reanimated as a another planet, another person Again. Something we can't know at this time, but perhaps it's something we will all find out. You know, I always thought that when a person dies. The spirit has no need of prejudice or love or feelings or anything that humans in their earthly form take so much pride in. And yet, some spirits appear to remain much as they were when they were alive. In other words, if if a person was evil during their lifetime, do they remain evil as spirits according to Some research, yes, places like prisons and other places where evil people were kept while they lived, Um, these shows appear to indicate that uh, frequently the evil person turns into an evil spirit. Same hates and dislikes, and whatever else they had when they were alive, they seek to retain these uh, feelings and attributes as spirits, which is, you know, contrary to what you would expect spirit to be. I guess if you're an angry person, an angry person while you're alive, a hateful person, you know, a real dick or an asshole or whatever, the spirits tend to retain those feelings. That's another curious side effect I guess of being a spirit. Why do spirits retain the feelings they had when they were alive? You would think that when you die and you learn all there is to know about death and what occurs after you die, that those trivial feelings would no longer be needed, be appropriate, be required. Ah, so much we do not know about life and we know pretty much nothing about death except what these ghost hunters seem to find out about spirits. And uh, apparently not all of it is good. But, yeah, it doesn't make any sense, but then... Not much data anymore. So someday someday we shall know. But will it matter? Will it make any difference? You know, people some people are just pathetic miserable creatures while they live and yet they take advantage of people they steal they rob they kill and you think. That as a spirit, they might repent, knowing the harm they've done to other people. But apparently, many of them just keep on wanting to be assholes even after they're dead. That's a that's a sad situation. I. Understand that. We're always, you know, told that good people go to heaven, bad people go to hell. That's obviously bullshit. People die and Things change, but not all spirits change. Some some of them apparently want to stay assholes even after death. Doesn't seem to be any point to it. They, uh, they they, do, they do that. You know, some might call it a purgatory or hell. But what about the good spirits who stay around? And there are some. Don't seem to be as many good spirits hanging out as there are evil spirits. Oh, here is something that bugs me to no end. How how is it that every time an exorcism is performed to either remove an evil spirit from a person or a place They use God to force the demon or evil spirit from the vessel that is occupied. It's not that way just in America. I mean, in other countries, when exorcisms are performed, they use their God to force these spirits... Now they're using different gods, depending on where they're located, they're using different prayers, and yet it seems to, at least in most cases, work. It seems to drive the evil spirits or demons away. How is that How does that work? Don't the spirits know if there is a God, or if there are any gods, or if there are any gods, And why would they be required to run away? just because humans call up a god's name and use that as a way to force the spirits to go somewhere else. Because they don't disappear obviously, they just go somewhere else. But why do they allow that to happen? First of all, we we don't even believe there is a God. And spirits would know if there was a God. And since there isn't a God, why would they allow bringing up name of God to affect them at all? That is another freaking bloody question that needs to be answered but of course will not be until we go and find out. So much we don't know. So much But, I guess I've used up all of my time for this episode, and therefore I will bid you all adieu, and again, hopefully, we'll have the opportunity to annoy you a bit more in my next episode. Till then, take care.
1: You know, I, I think I might actually be wrong in this. I, I, I think I was thinking because he did a, another one shortly thereafter called Spirits Revisited, I believe. And I think that's the one I was thinking about. But this one is just as good. I, I like the fact that he kind of went back in under a scientific eye and really put things out on the table to see, uh, you know, things in a another light, beyond like a religious light and a scientific light. And I, I did enjoy that. And and I just, you know, News, Views, and Reviews, or Tree Frog Exposé Cafe, whichever you want to call them, they're the same show, you know, is personally one of my favorite shows to listen to every, well, now it's every other week. And, you know, Reaper Rick always brings something fascinating and interesting to the table. And if you've not, if this is the first time you've listened to Reaper Rick. I seriously suggest you sit down, go back into the archives yourself, go to episode one, push play, and listen to, I think he's up to like 49 episodes now. Uh, you will enjoy every one of them. I promise that. Uh, especially, there's this one. Uh, he did one. It's called uh, Wolfheart Stadium. It was a two-parter. That was my favorite so far, favorite Tree Frog Exposé Cafe or news, views, and reviews show that he's done. All right, kids, we're already here. Uh, we've got the Wayback Machine all warmed up. You know, what? speaking of Wayback Machine, let me go ahead and do a plug. And, and I, we're not involved in this in any way whatsoever, but I think it's a good plug just to kind of lay out. Um, the Wayback Machine comes from a cartoon. From the 1960s, I had to check that real fast. Uh, it was a cartoon from the 1960s. It was called Mr. Peabody and Sherman. And it was the same people that made the Rocking Bullwinkle show. And there, and that was the first time, uh, you know, I had come to know the Wayback Machine. Well, anyway, they're coming out. There's, it's coming out here in 2014. Um, they're doing a brand new, um, movie. It's, uh let's see, what is it called? Mr. Peabody and Sherman. And it's coming out this month in March. And it's by DreamWorks Animation and released by 20th Century Fox. And though there's nothing, we have no connection to it whatsoever, other than the fact that I use the Wayback Machine a lot. Um there's nothing in connection. We don't get no kickback or royalties, but just to kind of throw that out there, you can go on YouTube, check out Mr. Peabody and Sherman and, and, you know, watch the, the, the old episodes and kind of get an idea of what I'm talking about. Or, uh, as it says right here on March 7th, the movie comes out. So just to let you know. Okay, kids, all right, so let's go ahead and just wrap this episode up with one more podcast, and then we will call it a week, but I will be back next week, as promised. I will do my best to not miss any more shows. Okay, let's go ahead and dive in here and see what I pull up. All right, last show of the week is Winning Burbank, number 12, Okay, this was released March twelfth twenty thirteen almost a complete year ago, and it is winning in Burbank number twelve food everything to from zombies to Twinkies, Sadie and Dave cover a large range of topics this week from a public zombie panic scare in Montana to the latest info on the great Twinkie Saga. oh yes. Yes, uh, if anybody that followed us on, on, uh, Win Burbank, we, we talked about, you know, the Twinkies because the Twinkies went bye bye for a while. And, and, uh, yeah, you're going to, if you, if you enjoy Twinkies and if you enjoy enjoy, enjoy, not Zoe, enjoy zombies, uh, just like Zombie Land, good combination. You're going to enjoy Win Burbank number 12 food everything from zombies to twinkies
3: they're coming to get
4: you
5: barbara they're coming for you look there comes one of them now
1: welcome to win burbank i'm david k montoya
5: and
7: i am miss sadie burbank
1: fear not folks (laughs) the zombie apocalypse is (laughs) not coming i i enjoyed
5: that article
7: (laughs) Well, it's... I don't know which one to read first. Uh, Great Falls, Montana. This is out of uh, Daily Press, February 12, 2013. And the headline is, station, TV station hacker warns of zombies in Montana. <laughs> uh, this is put out by the AP, and it's uh, dateline, Great Falls, Montana. A Montana television station's regular programming was interrupted by news of a zombie apocalypse. The Montana television network says hackers broke into the emergency alert system of Great Freakin' Falls affiliate KRTV and its CW station Monday. Uh, KRTV says on its website that the hackers broadcast that quote dead bodies are rising from their <laughs> graves unquote in several Montana counties. They broadcast that in several Montana counties. The alert claimed the bodies were attacking the living. Those in quotes and warned that people warned people not to quote approach or apprehend these bodies as they are extremely dangerous unquote the network says there is no emergency and its engineers are investigating <laughs> that's to me that, just that, that one sentence alone there is no emergency that's just appalling that they felt the need to say that it freaking <laughs> blows my mind a call to KRTV was referred to a Montana television network executive in Bozeman, John Saunders who didn't immediately return a call for comment the Great Falls Tribune reports the hoax alert generated at least at least four calls to police to see if it was true. <laughs> uh, it just you know, I, I, and it doesn't say if there were children who called to see if it was true or
1: no. People my age running around going, "Romero was
7: right." Romero was God. right. <laughs> so then we've got uh, same newspaper, Daily Press. Um, <laughs> Uh, Thursday, February 14th. Happy Valentine's Day. Using (coughs) alert system for zombie warnings is the headline. This is by Jeff Karub and Matthew Brown of the AP. Headline Detroit. Warnings about the zombie apocalypse may seem pretty amusing, but officials say they're dead serious about figuring out who hacked into the nation's public (coughs) warning system to broadcast such messages in a handful of states, so far, people in California, Michigan, Montana, and New Mexico have heard the warnings about attacking zombies that have been sent over the emergency alert system. <laughs> I just, oh. You know that thing. I, I, you do too, probably at odd hours of day and night when I'm watching television. You know, interrupts with that yeah. me me me, you know, and it comes across the screen. You know, this is a. I'm wondering, is that when it, it would have said? Yeah, that's Zombie? God. <laughs> are you kidding me? It'd be, it'd be more like, <clears throat> Yeah, yeah. Run
1: for your lives. Zombies are on
7: attack. God. <laughs> Quote, local authorities in your area have reported the bodies of the dead are rising from their graves and attacking the living, unquote. One message warned. <laughs> Quote, do not attempt to approach or apprehend these bodies as they are considered extremely dangerous, unquote. The subject matter may be humorous, but Greg McDonald with Montana Broadcasters Association said the consequences of such attacks on the alert system could be severe. This looks like somebody being a prankster, maybe, oh, wait a minute, I'm sorry, this is a quote. This looks like somebody being a prankster but maybe it's somebody testing just to see if they could do this to do some real damage." Unquote. McDonald said quote suddenly you are create a panic and people are fleeing somewhere and you end up with traffic jams and accidents and who knows what unquote. (laughs) The US recently replaced its old telephone-based alert system with a web-based one. The Federal Communications Commission otherwise known as the FCC Sent an urgent advisory Tuesday, urging stations to reset their alert alert system passwords. I would put that in the category of "duh." Yeah. So anyway, no, but here's my thing. Okay,
1: even if even if I was spun out, you know, I, I, I I'd have to
7: be spun out on some really hot stuff to get real worried about that. Well, even if I mean. <laughs> Uh, come
1: on! You're talking to the author of the end, okay? I love zombies.
7: Well, yeah, but, it's, but who doesn't love us? I mean, what's to hate? Well, actually, Ernie doesn't like them. I mean, he thinks they messy, <laughs> <laughs> and he's right; they are. But,
1: but yeah, but I mean, come on! To really believe that an animated corpse?
7: Okay, now here's 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 a here's a, a devil's advocate. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, I you know part of well no it isn't I was gonna say part of one of the convict volumes has to do with the that subject but it doesn't really but let's say we wrote a ghost story okay okay how far do you want to take that one that's true okay so so just because you write about zombies doesn't mean there aren't any okay it's it's just a little to me it seems more far-fetched I can I can better imagine uh, an alert warning, I guess for ghosts uprising than I can zombies. I, for some reason zombies have never held a real strong reality point for me. I don't know why, but I just they just maybe maybe because it's like um, um, it's like I have seen movies you have to where something real tiny kills a totally human, right. grown-up, perverse person. Jumps on their face and kills them, right? right. And, you, and you're and you just standing there wondering, okay, A, why don't you pull it off and stomp on it? Or B, take 14 steps in any direction, because you can walk faster <laughs> than it can run. Right. You know? Or step on it. Yeah, or that. Uh, and so s- zombies are kind of like that to me, because... Yeah, if they get a hold of you, they devour you and chew and munch and eat your guts and stuff like that. Okay, right. I get that. But have you seen how slowly they walk? That's true. I mean, and and, and people barricade themselves into houses. You know, that, that classic zombie movie, the, one of the original I can't remember what the hell it's called, but anyhow,
1: Night of the Living Dead. Yeah, Night and, they're, dead. and
7: they're hammering away, and they're barricading in, and the and the zombies' fingers reach in and get a hold of the people. What the fuck do you think the middle of the room is for? <laughs> I, come on, people! I, you know, so even and 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 my dis- my dispute point was. Therefore, they're not real. That's not really fair, because that doesn't mean they're not real. It just means they really can't hurt me. Right. Ghosts on another, you know, an evil ghost, if there is such a thing, okay, a nasty-minded ghost could maybe hurt me wherever I am. And so that's got more of a a fear factor for me. Right. Not so much a reality factor, but just more of a fear I'm really not afraid of zombies. Let them come.
1: Well, and here... (laughs) Here's my thought process, and it's because... And this is the whole reason why, because you've read the end, right? You've, oh, yeah! Oh, yeah! My zombies are completely different from the traditional zombies, and this, this is the reason why, because I actually looked into zombies. I wanted to make mine more realistic. Yeah. You have a rotting body, right. okay? Right, right. They're walking. Their right. body is rotting, therefore the oxygen is drying out their, their tendons, right? So right. they're walking.
7: All right. And... With what? Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> and say, within 30 seconds, with no moisture in the tendon, the tendon snaps.
7: Right, right. What? And the bones break, and the body falls.
1: And Yeah, I was going to say, and the body goes boom. Yeah, right. Down with the boom. And that's just... I don't know. I mean, I, I enjoy zombie movies. I have a whole slew of them in oh, my, yeah, my collection. Oh,
7: yeah, oh, yeah But... Yeah. Well, mm- it's like a playpen. It's, it's a safety
1: factor
4: right
7: too. yeah it's fun to watch something that you know can't really happen right now i was watching poltergeist as i told you when i came in i was watching poltergeist before i left and came home came here which feels like home <laughs> and um i wasn't even gonna bother recording it but it's it's so well done it really is a, a well done it movie. is movie and so and i know what happens I, it, practically every moment through the movie i know what happens and you know, i've seen it what 1700 times right uh, but I went ahead and hit the record button anyhow because I got to the part just before uh, the mom goes in after the kid. Carol Ann, to, uh-huh. Yeah, she goes in by, with the rope. And and that's the messiest part of it. And I really don't like that part because I'm not into messy. Right. But um, I just like seeing that movie. And, you know, so many of those people are gone. Well, not so many. Carol Ann is gone.
1: Right. She she, she died Yeah, young.
7: very young. Uh, and the the little lady that plays the yeah. one that solves the their problem, she's gone now. She died well, I, oh, I don't know, at least three years ago, I think. I was gonna say recently. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. So it's it's I, I enjoy watching their talent, you know, and and, and the movie. So I decided, well, I'll just when I go home tonight to cook dinner, I'll finish you it. Know, I'll finish watching it. Yeah, but it's a scary movie, too. Yeah. It, it, to me, it's scary because there's that unknown, you know, I mean, I, I don't know how to put it. Is there where I draw the line? Right. You know, because zombies are unknown, technically, but I, I don't, I'm not afraid of zombies, okay?
1: Right. Well, it, it also kind of makes me think, um, I was listening to this on TV or the radio. They were talking about why they made two versions of The Shining. Uh, and the whole reason behind it was Stephen King who you know obviously wrote the shining mm-hmm. uh what was his name he he did clockwork orange too the oh uh, it was uh, you're
7: asking me brain dead lady yeah. yeah come on well
1: anyway he's the same person who did the shining and Stephen King felt that because he was atheist... Not Stephen King, but the guy who did Shining, the director. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He felt that because he was atheist, he could not make that connection, that spiritual connection that the story was supposed to make. And that's uh, why he remade it with someone else, with uh, New Direction. Ah, uh, okay. So, and then and I spin that back around with the zombies. I have
7: seen... Have you seen both? Yeah. Are they both released? Oh,
1: yeah. Uh, the,
7: Are they both called The Shining? yes. That's odd. I don't remember ever having heard about that at all.
1: It was okay. I, no, I mean honestly, I don't
7: remember hearing that there were two versions of the same. I've always just seen The Shining, and you know, never. With Jack anything. Nicholson. Yeah. yeah.
1: No, they came out with it early part of 2000. two
7: thousand. Same stars and everything. Oh no! No no. Oh oh oh. Okay okay. There you go. All right. Yeah. So, oh. They
1: they completely remade the. Ah,
7: oh, gotcha. Okay. Well, i I think I think one of the the reasons that movies like The Shining, for example, versus the zombie thing, is that it's so frightening. It's not just because it's ghosts, okay? Because yeah, ghosts can be scary and everything like that. But the ghosts aren't the scary thing in The Shining. Right. <laughs> Jack is the scary thing in The Shining. <laughs> okay, and he's very much alive. But but what makes it so terrifying is the. Uh, isolation factor yes there's you know and that's to me that's probably the best use of uh something to to scare people is that isolate you can't the phone won't work right. you can't call out for help you can't yell for help you can't run for help you couldn't you can't drive for help the weather is closing in and and you know all of those factors are preventing her from helping Herself and her child, but she does. Right. In spite of it, and and I think that's to me the enormous appeal of it all is is you know we all like to think we would do so well. I probably would cower in the corner someplace and go. No, no, no. Um,
1: and the most interesting part of this whole thing, yeah, is both stories come out of Montana. Oh. Dead silence.
7: What do you think <laughs> the is shining. wrong with the... The <laughs> Shining... Uh, for those of you in Montana listening to this, I did not mean that as an accusation against you in any way.
1: Um, yeah, The Shining was shot in Montana. You know, I
7: it was shot in Colorado at that certain, hotel. Certain parts of the exterior... Ernie knows the name of that hotel, but I don't remember it.
1: The exteriors were shot... In, that. in Colorado some interiors were shot in Montana and some uh, interiors were shot in California
7: uh, so, well i'll tell you it's a scary movie um and 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 maybe you know we're what are we we're adults we're experienced we're associated with the genre so we we sit here and go well. There's no reason we know. There's no reason to be afraid. But let's let's put ourselves again in, into the into the position of poorly educated or uneducated or not experienced with the genre or uh, easily misled or whatever. Right. It's it's possibly easy to understand that some people would truly be afraid. Yeah, you know, I'm really trying to stretch here. I know I am, but I'm trying trying to give them the benefit of the doubt that that there may be people who honestly haven't got. Well, I was about to say haven't got sense enough to know better, but I don't mean it that way. They just haven't got experience enough to know better. Uh, that that zombies don't really exist, and I know I'm taking a big step here, going zombies don't really exist. Okay, I realize I put myself out on a on a limb here. But Did she put that thing in her mouth?
1: Yeah, she got something in her mouth,
7: though. Oh, pin it out, honey. Pin it out, pin it out. Grandma doesn't want to have to do CPR on your ass tonight. <laughs> I got it. Good girl. Yeah, you don't want to put things in your mouth. Mm-mm.
1: For the listeners, um, <laughs> just to <laughs> let you know, my, my daughter's always here with us. Um, her mom usually... You know, watches her while right, we podcast, right. but mom is extremely sick.
7: Mom's so. got the bug that the whole family has been sharing all the last two weeks. So, except you. You didn't get it. No. Because no. you got your flu shot. <laughs> yeah, well, there we go again. Uh, t- did I tell you about the myths? I have uh, I have a, an article here. I'm big on cutting out articles. Hmm. Ten flu myths. Did I tell you about this? <sighs> that I had cut this out? I don't you know. You told me
1: about it, but we never discussed it. Well,
7: th- and this is not this is not a joke. This is, uh, is it a cold or a flu? Okay. Okay, myth number one. I waited too long. Is it, it, it isn't worth it anymore for me to get the flu shot? This is myth number one. Is that true or false? The fact is...
1: Waiting too long? Yes,
7: yeah, she says, I, the person saying, I waited too long, It isn't worth it anymore for me to get the flu shot. I don't know if it's me or she who said that. Gotcha. The fact is, the flu season still has many weeks to thrive, or has many a week to thrive. It typically lasts from December to March. Getting a flu shot now will protect you for the rest of the season. And this was in the Daily Press, and I don't know what date. I didn't cut that part out. So, um, you know, March is nearly upon us, but you know what? even if it's two weeks till the end of flu season.
1: You can still get it. I
7: don't think the flu bug is keeping track of that, number one. <laughs> number two, being sick for two weeks is just not worth it.
1: Yeah, because, I mean... But it
7: does take a little while. Anyhow, I think that's covered in here. Myth number two, I already had the flu this season, so I don't need to get a flu shot. In other words, I've built up immunity, right?
1: That's not... If
7: you had the flu, you're protected from that strain. But several other strains abound, and the flu shot protects against three.
1: So. And that's with me, remember? I actually right. had the flu before right. I got the flu shot, but I still
7: got the flu shot. Right, because you're smart. Myth number three, my kid stayed home sick with the flu today, so I got a flu shot. <laughs> the fact is, the flu vaccine doesn't protect you the same day. It takes two weeks to reach maximum effectiveness for the season. So if there's, if there's only two weeks to the end of the season, then it may not be worth it to get a flu shot. <laughs> but like I said, I don't think the flu bugs are keeping track of the dates and times. And if we have a longer winter than anticipated.
1: Or the summer flu.
7: Or the summer flu, yeah. Yeah, it's just however long those stupid viruses want to hang out. I no myth number four. I didn't get the flu shot because it could give me the flu. You and I have talked about this yes. on the podcast before.
1: Yeah, we did that on uh, germ warfare.
7: Right. The flu shot does not give you the flu. The vaccine has a dead, inactive virus, so it can't make you sick. That bear is repeating the flu shot is <laughs> a dead, inactive virus, and it cannot make you sick. Please, people, this isn't garbage. This is the truth. Believe it. Myth number five, I hate needles. I'm too scared to get the flu shot. We hear that one a lot. Yeah. And like I said when we were talking about it, I'd rather get one poke in the arm than barf for three days. For real. Or two weeks. Needle-fearing, healthy folks ages 2 to 50 can get a nasal spray vaccine.
1: No, I haven't heard about this.
7: Yeah, I have, but I don't know if they are necessarily... Readily available in your area. You need to check with your physician on that subject. It has a weakened virus. The virus is so weak that you can't get sick from it either. So it apparently is a live virus, but it's a very weak one. So, myth number six if I wear a scarf or a mask, I probably won't get the flu. Ha! This fact is, this generally will not prevent you from getting the flu, though it's recommended that you don't touch your face too much. Wearing a mask or a scarf actually won't prevent the flu, and it won't really keep the bugs from your face either. Hand washing is probably the most effective still for keeping the bugs away from your nasal mucosa. Myth number seven. Oh, that, by the way, wait a minute. I shouldn't say that. That last stuff I said about washing your hands and everything, that was not a quote out of the paper. That was me.
1: My, That's just e- That was educated. my opinion.
7: That was my educated information there. Then, uh, myth number seven. I had the flu, but I feel better today. I must not be contagious anymore. <laughs> i heard that before. Oh, yeah. Fact, you are contagious up to seven days after the start of your flu illness. You're also contagious 24 hours before you show symptoms, which is kind of scary. That's kind of like uh, um, AIDS, you know. You've yeah. got it. You don't know you've got it, so you share it. Right. And then you find out you've got it, and it's too late. Okay, <clears throat> myth number nine, and there are only ten, so we're nearly done. <laughs> I'm pregnant, so I can't get the flu vaccine. Fact is, pregnant women, especially, I was should get saying. the flu shot because you don't want to be pregnant and have the flu.
1: Yeah, possibility of early, you know, labor or...
7: Well, yeah, and how pregnant are you? And, and the effects. Uh, plus, when you're pregnant, you can't uh, most of the time medicate for symptoms. Right. Not with over the counter medications, anyhow, because there's so many drawbacks to early pregnancy and the use of over the counter medications. So that means you have to tolerate the symptoms without any help, which sucks rocks, okay? Bad enough being pregnant without having to have all those problems and not be able to medicate for them. Headaches, pain, body aches, all that.
1: Lace had the flu, remember? When
7: When she, she was pregnant. With
1: Zoe. Yeah. Yes,
7: yeah. She and was, she poor thing was miserable. got no relief. Yeah. Okay, last myth. I got the flu vaccine, so I don't need to do anything else. <laughs> Fact is, you should still be washing your hands, as I said earlier, using a hand sanitizer, enough, oh, no, sorry, coughing into your elbow, which is, yeah, I can reach my elbow, <laughs> drinking plenty of fluids, and that would be the non-alcoholic type. Yeah. Uh, although, I guess beer probably wouldn't be so bad, you know, it's, it's still fluid. If you tolerate a lot of beer, you know, without getting shit faced, or if you're home and it doesn't matter, then it's fluid. I don't know. Uh, That's getting... a whole other story. Yes, I it is. <laughs> okay, getting enough sleep. Oh, good luck there. Eating healthfully and exercising regularly, which I'll tell you about later. We've got something about exercise. And even then, you still might get the flu. <laughs> So, there you go. Oh, this is the source for this. That's why I didn't cut out what paper it was in. This was in Daily Poop, but I don't know what date. But the source for this information came from the Chicago Department of Public Health Medical Director, Dr. Julie Morita. Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah.
1: That still covers the basis.
7: And then they have the cold or flu symptoms listed, too. Fever is rare with a cold, characteristic with the flu. 102 to 104 lasts three to four days. Headache rare with the cold, prominent with the flu. General aches and pains slight with the cold, usually often severe with the flu. Fatigue and weakness quite mild with the cold, can last two to three weeks with the flu. Prostation. Prostration. Sorry, I knew I was going to do that. Sorry, guys. Prostration or extreme exhaustion. Never with a cold. And early and prominent with the flu. Stuffy nose. Common with the cold. Sometimes, occasionally with the flu. Sneezing. Usual with a cold. Sometimes with the flu. Sore throat. Common with the cold. Sometimes with the flu. Chest discomfort and cough. Mild to moderate hacking cough with a cold. Common can become severe with the flu. Possible complications of a cold, sinus congestion, and earache. With the flu, bronchitis, and pneumonia, which is another really good reason not to get the flu in the first place. And prevention for a cold, there isn't any. And, of course, for the flu, annual vaccination. So there you go, folks. Please stay well. We like you. We'd like to keep you coming back to listen to us. Absolutely. And you won't want it if you're sick with the flu. Trust me. <laughs> so, there you go. That's... I was going to mention exercising. Ernie and I have started exercising every day.
4: Oh, really? Yeah.
7: Well, not a whole lot because we're old, but we do what we can, you know. I mean, uh, he gets on the elliptical and I get on the... That reclining bike thing. What is that called again? Uh, well, it's not the kind of bike that's sitting up. Right. stationary. It's not a stationary bike. It, you're more like this. Kind of like riding in the Lotus. Oh, okay. And um, I do that, and he does the elliptical. And sometimes when he's not around, I do the elliptical too, but not very much. Because it's really hard, hard, hard work. You wouldn't think so, but it is physically demanding. But anyhow, I do what I can. We do it anywhere from five to seven or eight minutes every morning now before breakfast. And that doesn't sound like a whole lot. I know. Minutes. But you got to start someplace. Right. You know. Yeah. And we both work up a little bit of a sweat and get to breathing going and everything. So we figure that's good. got to yeah. be good. Got to be helping somewhere along the line. So we're trying to get healthier. <laughs> Poor Cody.
1: I know, I'm going to have to let him
7: in. Let him in. All right. I know, he's not going to bother me. Pause.
1: Well, with you guys, you know, being healthy and whatnot, uh, this week I actually kind of just let loose and had fun. And, you know, as you were talking about drinks. uh, Oh, yeah. I, I, I pulled a Grandma Sadie.
7: Yeah. Uh, taste a little gin, did you? <laughs> uh,
1: that and I think like fourteen beers later.
7: thanks. <laughs> fourteen? I can't. Yeah, you know, I haven't physically got the room. And and I I must have a small. I know my body's big, my tummy is large. That's a nice way to say my guts big. Um, but I can't. Bless your heart. <laughs> I can't put away fourteen beers, even if I didn't do anything else. I can't. I can barely drink a whole beer and eat a meal. Really? Yeah, I just don't have the room in my stomach for it.
1: Well, and, I did.
7: <laughs> God bless you. I don't know how the hell you did it.
1: And, you know... Was this in Vegas? Yes. Yeah. And I had a blast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, well, I walked out, I lost like two fifty. But you know what, for the fun I had...
7: What did you plan on that? You don't go to Vegas to win money. You and I both know that we we go to Vegas. Anybody that goes to Vegas all the time understands this. You go to Vegas to have a good time, right? You don't plan on coming home with money. If you do, if you come home with what you went with, you're a winner, right? And a lot of times that doesn't happen either, but that's okay because you know it's like going to a movie. You plan on leaving 50 bucks there if two of you are going to a movie and having popcorn and Cokes. It's just the way it is anymore.
1: <laughs> it is.
4: You
7: know, unless you're our age, and then it's only 25 bucks, you know, because we get discounts.
1: Speaking of movies, while we were there, yeah. um, I, I like Quentin Tarantino. I, yeah. I like his movies a lot.
7: I <laughs> She likes him, too. That's what she said. I like him, too.
1: And uh, we were going to go see Durango Unchained. Oh, his,
7: yeah, his
1: yeah, movie. yeah, yeah. $18 a ticket.
7: Holy mother of God. I said,
1: I, I like him that much, but I don't like him uh, that much. No,
7: you can wait to She wants to go in there. And, oh, she can't, though, huh? Uh, uh, no, you know, you can wait for that. Yeah. You know, unless it's, unless it's got major special effects, like The Life of Pi. I told you we went to see that because Ernie wanted to see that on the big screen. Then... You know, then yeah, you you plan on having to spend the money for it, and that and you. But you know what I told you too. We you know we got senior citizens discount right, right. when we go to the movies. Yes. The, this theater we went to, and it, I think it's AMC down at uh, Ontario, isn't that? Yeah. Well, there's Edwards. But then I think the other one is AMC, isn't it? I believe so. Yeah, they don't give their senior citizens discount till after 4 o'clock, thank you. <laughs> what? Yeah, I said, what the fuck is that shit? What do you mean you don't give seniors... I didn't say that to the nice little girl, but I sure shit did when we walked away. <laughs> Poor Ernie. Poor man. He's said, don't, please don't make a scene. You oh, know? Lord. Oh, Lord. Yeah, here she goes again. But really... What is that? We don't get senior citizen discounts until after 4 o'clock.
1: So you're not considered a senior citizen? I
7: guess not. Up until 4 o'clock, I'm 25. <laughs> Shit. I thought it was outrageous, frankly. But anyway. Um, yeah, I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have spent that kind of money to see it either. You know, there's a lot of movies out I'd like to see. Yes. Uh, I don't know of one right now. That I'm hot to see in the theater. Ernie thought he wanted to go see Les Mis. Remember, I told yeah. you he wanted to go see Les Mis really bad. Well, we found out where it was playing. We were going to go, and then it snowed. We decided not to try to make it down the hill, and then and then he goes, "Nah, you know what?" He says, "I'll just I'll just get a Blu-ray copy, and and we he just bought a new stereo the other day. He hasn't hooked it up yet, but you know, uh, and we'll have you know the stereo, and it'll be good." And I'm like, Are you sure? Because I don't you know, I'm I'm good to go. Right. On a day when it's not snowing, you know, I don't want to drive past when it's snowing. And he said, No, that's cool. So he you know, he doesn't want to go. There's I'm trying to think. There was one other one that I saw the previous for and I thought, gee, I'd kinda of like to see that in the theater But I can't remember now what it was. You know. Right. But most of the time we're not that you know, it's just too nice at home. You know, you can put your feet up, fart when you want to, you can answer your phone if you have to, stuff like that. It's not a big deal. And well,
1: in today's age, it's available to be watched, even though yeah. even though it's on the big screen, it's still available to be seen at home.
7: Yeah, and and nicely yeah. too. If you've got a decent, and you do too, a nice, decent-sized television set good reception on your TV screen and all that kind of stuff. It's cool. And Now, um, have you heard anything about that new theater in Hesperia, how that's working out for people?
1: I haven't heard
4: anything.
7: I'm interested in hearing, if anybody that listens to us has been to that theater. I know one person that's been who's on my Facebook list. I could probably ask him how it went, but I don't know if he'd have much in the way of an answer, because I just don't think he would. But my, my curiosity stems from the fact that I read that they have that they take reservations. They sell reserved seats. Really? Yeah, and I'm like, what the hell is that? And so I Googled, how does that work? Mm-hmm. Because you can Google anything these days. Yes. And uh, believe it or not, I found several answers. Lots of people have, lots of theaters all over the country have reserved seating. And my one of my main questions about it was how do they enforce that? Right. You know, I mean, I had visions of somebody taking me to my seat, like an usher or something. Right. With my ticket number, row 17, seat 3, you know, and getting there and finding Joe Blow sitting there. You know, and then the usher says, Joe, you're in the wrong seat. And he goes, oh, sorry, and moves two seats down. And I sit down until the next person comes. How does it work, and why? What is the, what's the point? You know, are are people so upset with going to the theater and having to sit in a crummy seat that they are pleased with reserved seating. What is that? How many times have you been to a movie in the last 10 years when it was full? When the theater was full? Just a
1: handful of times? Yeah,
7: maybe at at best. Where you've had to have you, have you ever had to sit in a really bad spot? I mean, even the worst, you know, to me worse than nosebleed is the upfront seat. Yeah, you know, cuz you're like this, right? Watching the movie.
1: When I went to go see, and, and how many years has this come out? Uh, that the um, Live Free Die Hard with Bruce Willis. I think that came out in like 2007, 2008. Yeah, yeah. That was the the last time I actually had the seat, you know, set up front. Oh yeah. Because the the entire place was full. You see, that, that
7: that really doesn't happen that often, and it doesn't happen for us that often because frequently we go in the afternoon, and so we're not really in the it's not really a problem for us to find a seat because there's us and four other people at the movie. You know, and we have, Ernie and I have actually, literally gone to movies in the afternoon in a theater and there wasn't anybody there but us. The whole time. So it, it's, to me, kind of a superfluous offering to the public To make available, and it's not just that they make available uh, reserved seating, that's it. That's what you buy. You buy a ticket with a reserved seat. Well, you know, everybody wants to sit front and center. Come on. What I don't, I don't know. It just I haven't. Watched, and that's what's kept me from going to, to see that new movie theater. Haven't haven't been interested in going to see it because of that. Really. Yeah. i no, I don't want to have to do <laughs> deal with that.
1: Well, my thing is too, is if you're reserving seats. I mean, how many times have you gone, like in a week in advance and say, well, week after Tuesday we're going to go to the movies.
7: Oh yeah. Right. Uh huh. Sure.
1: Usually it's that same day. Listen,
7: I got a pill I'm supposed to take 30 minutes before I eat. Right. You know how often I can do that? I can take that pill at 1130 in the morning and figure, okay, by 12 I'm going to be, it never happens. (laughs) Somebody calls, the bacon doesn't get done yet, the toast isn't ready yet. Ernie spent too long in the bathroom and hasn't eaten his breakfast yet. I'm still making his lunch. I gotta go to the bathroom. Somebody comes to the door. Little girl selling Girl Scout cookies. It isn't gonna happen. But no, you gotta take this pill thirty minutes before you eat. It's the stupidest thing I ever saw in my life.
1: What is it, Matt Foreman?
7: Oh, it's that uh, green coffee extract. Ernie decided that sounded like a legitimate dietary aid, so he. Says, you should take this okay honey, I'll take the shit <laughs> It's supposed what it's supposed to do is it's supposed to help you gain weight better than if you didn't take it. It doesn't make you not gain weight lose weight. It doesn't make you lose weight it makes you lose it more efficiently. That's their wow. claim. If you would normally lose a pound in, in a week <laughs> just taking this will help you lose another pound. Gotcha. So you'd lose two pounds in a week. well fuck that doesn't, it's not happening. You know, and supposedly you're not supposed to have to change anything other than what your normal dieting routine is. And I'm change, changing nothing in my normal dieting routine, except I'm trying to take this silly pill a half hour before I eat. <laughs> and it just, I even write down when I took it so I don't blow it, because sometimes I'll go, wait, did I take the pill or not? I can't remember. Right. You know, its its it's kind of... It's like you said. How can you say two weeks in advance that you're going to go to a movie? You can't. Not when you got kids. No. Not, it, not when you have a life.
1: I was going to say you know. usually it's it's like fifteen twenty minutes before the movie even starts. You're like, let's go to the movies. <laughs>
7: yeah. Or when is the movie playing? You know, that's what we do because you can't. To me, I don't. I won't walk into a movie if I if if it's not. Brand when, new started Right I don't walk into a movie That's in progress Well you feel
1: like You're wasting your money Because it can't
7: rewind For one right. day You know And I don't know What's going on No You can't say Hey what happened so far No you can't So I have to know When the movie Is going to be on that, that entails googling Or getting on the internet Or phoning And for a long time These numbnuts over here In Hesperia Weren't even putting Their ad in the paper Really Yeah They were not it said when they first announced they were open, it's done at, at the end of the column. It said call for for movie times and shows. Oh, you got to be freaking kidding me! You think I'm gonna waste my time calling you up and listening and then write down everything I'm hearing yeah, about? No. What? Come on, put it, spend ten dollars and put it in the damn paper. For reals. Oh, I was stupid. So there's many many things about the way that's being run that. Makes and on top of it, they're supposed to have this is supposed to be one of the new theaters that has food and and beer and wine.
1: Oh, one of those. Oh,
7: yeah, it's supposed to be very up high class. Yeah. Well, in the first place, you know where they built the thing? Where? Oh, it's so stupid. Instead of putting it on Main Street, uh huh, where everybody will see it and go, Hey, there's the new theater, we need to go see that, and like that. It's a block off on Ninth Street. On and Yucca, I think, okay, down there by the Civic Center. Where driving by. You've got to know it's there and look for it. To find it. In the intersection, which is not a good time to be looking around for something. <laughs> okay. you got to drive by and go, oh, there it is. There it went, you know.
4: Turn around.
7: <laughs> Where's that new theater? It's back there. We just passed it. Yeah. Ah! I don't know what they were thinking. I don't know what they... There's land they could have used on Main Street. They could have built it down there by the new Walmart. They could have built it down at our end. There's lots of places they could have put it. Yes. Lots. There's lots of land on Main Street that isn't being used for anything would have been just fine. But no, they're going to hide the fucker back there on a knife and yucca. Okay, whatever. So I'm not too keen on the whole thing yet. We'll have to see how it does. I, I Frankly, I'm not too encouraged about its uh, prospects.
1: Well, to spin this whole thing around. Okay. And watch how I'm about to combine oh, both our so subjects good. into one. You're
7: so good at this, yes?
1: Uh, probably... This weekend, I'm hoping this weekend yeah. we are gonna go to the movies
7: yeah.
1: and see a new zombie flick.
7: Oh yeah, oh, yeah. No kidding, see
1: how yeah. I spend both. of That's movies? very
7: good, very good. And called
1: Warm Bodies.
7: Oh, it's, it's a new, I like the name.
1: It's it's supposed to be like a new take on zombies.
7: There there was a zombie. Oh, and no, you're gonna hate me now because I'm gonna start a subject and I won't be able to finish it. There was a zombie movie I loved. Oh. It was a, a comedy zombie movie, and I can't remember what it's called. Shot of the Dead. Yeah, I think that was it. I have the where DVD. he keeps taking his arm and sticking it back in. Was oh no, that no,
1: that is um, Dylan Dog. It's <laughs> the guy who played
7: Superman, the last Superman. Oh, I don't know. I don't know who it was. I don't think so. I think it was somebody a little more well known than that. But he, I'm trying to think of the story. Even I, I even recorded it and had it and I held it for a long time for Ernie to watch. But because he doesn't like zombies, because they're messy and everything, right. he never really wanted to watch it. But it was freaking hilarious because the 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 kids, the one I can't even remember now with the storyline. But I remember that that his arm kept falling off and he had to keep sticking it in, like kind of like. Uh, Monty Python. Um but darn it I I'm gonna have to Google it now. I'm sorry folks to do stuff like that to you. This is what I live with at my age. <laughs> you know, you think of stuff you then you then you spend hours and then you say to your husband, Hey, what was that movie? and he goes, oh, you know, because he doesn't remember either. And then you sort of live your life in a little bit of a fog. Thank God for computers that keep that from happening all the time. So I will, I'll for look real. it up. But anyhow, it's it's a really funny movie, and anybody that's seen it know the one I'm talking about. No, does it can't. take
1: place in the U.S. or in? Oh the,
7: yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And they go they go into a bar together, oh. um, and everybody just sort of takes it for granted, if I remember right. It takes their zombieism sort of f- for granted. Oh, and they pick up this old guy, or the old guy picks them up. They're hitchhiking, and this old guy picks them up in his in his truck, and gives them a ride. He takes it for granted that they're zombies. He's got no problem with that, and they get along real good with him. And then he he drives him around. Then he winds up sitting on a bench in front of a lake, and he dies there and stuff like that. I don't know. I'm going to have to look it up. I write myself a note. I'm going to get up right now and get a pen. Write myself a note. Find a funny zombie movie so I can tell you all about it.
1: Yes, because you know, next episode uh, is our lucky episode thirteen.
7: Oh, that'd be a perfect perfect subject matter for for a thirteen. Our next one, not the second one we're doing tonight, but... uh,
1: Actually, the second one. Yeah, well, yeah. Okay. Okay,
7: Well, anyway. For...
1: How do I explain this? In real time... Uh Uh-huh. You're staying here for an extra hour. We're going to do episode 13. Right. But for the JZO ModCast time, that'll be not this week, but next week will be episode 13.
4: Okay.
7: Okay. Okay, well, whatever. Whenever I do talk about it... You'll be glad that that, it, that you listened because it is—it's really a funny movie. I thought it was hilarious. I laughed and laughed.
1: See, I thought I've seen all the zombie movies, but it doesn't ring a bell. So perhaps I—I haven't seen that one.
7: I wish I could remember better than I can, but anyhow, anyhow, yeah, I'll—I'll I'll look it up. and I'll let you know.
1: So, the, so
7: they're going this weekend to see Warm Bodies.
1: That's the game plan.
7: Where who's in Warm Bodies?
1: Um, all unknown cast. Ah, okay. Rebecca, my sister, oh. told me about it. Originally, we were supposed to go with her on a double date.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, it didn't happen. So I decided I want to see this. I like zombies. I mean, if, if you open up my my DVD cabinet, you'll see I have a slew of zombie movies. And um, it's it's an interesting concept. The boys, the zombie, his girlfriend is alive. And they go on this kind of wild adventure, and and for me, it just doesn't really process. You know, live boy or live girl, dead boy just doesn't. So I have to go see it.
7: It'll be an interesting. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how they manage it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Kind of. It's kind of like the the. Um... Oh, Jesus. The the. Isn't it? Aren't they? Dra- aren't they vampires that are, they're doing now with Taylor Lautner? And,
1: oh, the Twilight. Yeah. Yeah, they're vampires. Yeah, the but some,
7: so. of Mar, some of them are. Yeah. Some of them are. They get along anyway, and you know it's kind of like Buffy. Buffy was one of my favorite shows for a long time. I loved watching Buffy. I thought it was totally cool, you know, and everybody just sort of Yeah, of course there are vampires and we need somebody to slay them, you know. And I, I, I kinda like that. I think it's kind of a, a cool approach to the whole thing instead of everybody going around and oh, be gotta be kidding me, there's no vampires. <laughs> we just watched uh, Hotel Transylvania. Is that any good? It's very cute. I'm um I'm thinking about buying it. And you know, it's for me it's not it wasn't quite as funny as Frankie Weenie. Frank and Weenie. I love Frank and Weenie. That's hilarious. Gotta love that. The kids in Frank and Weenie are freaking hilarious. The kids that are that are his friends. Right. The little boys' friends.
1: The, the cast.
7: Yeah. Oh my god, they're so funny. You're just gonna you just going to you have not seen that yet. No. You gotta rent that and see it. It's it's really hilarious.
1: Yesterday I actually went to go buy Paranormic at Walmart.
7: Oh yeah, we rented that too. Um <laughs> let me think. Did I like it, or did I not?
1: The last time I talked to you about it, you said you liked it, because it was Tim Burton.
7: Yeah. It was the Claymation. It was was good. I I don't think I'll buy it, but it was good. Uh, It wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be, which, in my opinion, was based on the Olympic season... Blurb that they put out. It was a an advertisement for the Olympics, and they used one of the monsters from Paranorman. Oh, really? In, in the blurb, and he did. He does this thing where you know how uh, when the uh, acrobats, you know, they tumble across the floor and they're all done, and they go like that with their arms up in yeah. the air. You know. Well, this or they do it on the horse, or they do it on the trampoline or whatever they're doing they the bars and stuff well he does this one thing where he's swinging on the parallel bars and he, one of his arms comes off oh. <laughs> at the end of it he go he tries to go but like that and only his left arm goes up you know so arm then arm. pretty soon the 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 right arm that's messed up and hung up on the bars you know pretty soon it comes up <laughs> <laughs> sort of after the fact it's hilarious and i really kind of based my interest in the movie of on that. that alone and sadly it's it was probably the funniest thing about the movie and it wasn't even in the movie ah. so you know it was okay I, you know it wasn't a waste of time it was just okay
1: well i went to go buy it and yeah. they were out
7: rent it first you may okay. you may decide against
1: actually purchasing yeah, it yeah
7: you might. Well, it kind of depends. See, you got kids. Kids will watch anything 60 times. Right. I do, too. If it's something I really like, I can't get enough of it. I can't go past I watched Turner and Hooch again today and cried when the damn dog died. <laughs> how many times have I seen that movie? I don't even know. Oh,
4: that's And classic. I always
7: cry when the stupid dog dies. So, you know, kids are like that, too. If they, if they really like a movie, they'll watch it. They don't care, you know, right. how many times they've seen it before. So, you know, if the family watches it and they like it, it'd be worth buying. You know, if it's just for us, I probably won't buy it. You know,
1: it's probably won't. All right. So we got 10 minutes before we close. Got already? Yeah. Time flies. Um, how about we talk a little bit about Twinkie? Because oh. we, we started this whole... You know, when when the word went out that Twinkie was going to go bankrupt, and we followed it, and we've given updates, and then it kind of dissipated because, well, there was nothing being reported on it. Right. But you came in today with some info on Twinkie.
7: I have been having fun with Scissors and my daily newspaper lately. This is out of the Daily Press. Again, I didn't get the date. Sorry about that, folks. It's uh, really from the... Uh, Chicago Tribune uh, with an AP photo of packages of Twinkies. And the headline is Trying to Replace the Twinkie. It says, We have taste-tested five golden cake cream-filled substitutes ranging from the Walgreen House brand to a Canadian import sold by Jewel osco Cakes were rated on a scale of 1 to 5. 5 being sublime, 1 being on a par with cardboard.
4: <laughs>
7: as a control, or con- control, I don't know how you say it when it means that, but anyway, to as a balancing, um, we asked our taste testers to think of a Twinkie as a 3. Not sublime, but far above cardboard. So... The uh, first one they rated, and these are not in, in, in any particular order, uh, it's headlined, Nice! with an exclamation point, Sponge Cake from Walgreens, $1. twenty-nine for a two-pack, average score, 1.4. Comment, where did the cream filling go?
1: Now, and the one was cardboard, right? Uh, yeah. so okay, gotcha. <laughs>
7: Just above cardboard and not much in the cream filling department. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, the next one, the Snack Artist Cream Cake this is the headline. It's from Safeway. It's two ninety nine dollars for a box of 10. Hmm. Very cheap. Average score, 2.6. Comment, even has cream in- injection marks on the bottom like the Twinkies do Cool. Yeah. So. So two
1: point six. So it's it's almost two. Two point six. It's almost Twinkie.
7: a three for up to the Twinkie level. Plus it's cheap. Two ninety nine for for ten. Huh. You yeah, know what is that? Twenty nine cents a piece. No. Yeah, roughly. Yeah, roughly. Actually thirty if you round it up. Hmm. That's pretty cheap. Okay. Uh, the next one it says Cloud Cakes by Little Debbie. Three oh nine for ten. Average score two point eight. Comment: Cream filling consistency and texture okay. I think hey, That's just what they said. I can't help it.
1: So right now, the product that L- Little Debbie puts out is the closest thing. So to far, A-E.
7: Little Debbie's closest to the 3.0, But I kind of don't understand the comment of cream filling and consistency and texture are okay. I, that doesn't. That's not terribly informative for me. Okay, then Vashan Golden Sponge Cakes. No. Saputo sold at Jewel Osco. I don't know what the hell that means.
1: I think that's the Canadian one.
7: Oh I get it. yeah, it would be. So and then the Vachon is French. I don't know what Saputo is. Anyhow, they're 349 for a box of six. Ooh. Wow. And they score
1: a three point three.
7: And the comment said they were swayed by the chocolate. Is that fair? So apparently these have like chocolate coating or a chocolate bottom. See, now you just lost me. Somewhere there's chocolate, and yeah, and that doesn't make it a Twinkie. No. To me. Um, So I don't know. They, they, you know, they, they say it isn't fair. So I personally, I'd subtract a point for the chocolate, but that's just me.
1: Actually, I would too.
7: Uh, Then the last one says great. Value Golden Cream Cakes by Walmart. Apparently, these are the names that are given to them Yeah the, product, on the package,
1: or the brand name rather.
7: Well, yeah, could be. Uh, Walmart sells them two thirty-eight for ten. Average score two point six. Comment: Good filling and homemade taste, which is interesting because Twinkie doesn't taste homemade to me. No. So I'm not sure how I could say that compared to a Twinkie. You know, I, I don't know what a homemade taste of Twinkie would taste like anyhow.
1: So <laughs> so what it comes down to, though, even though the person was biased with the chocolate, which I actually, like you, you commented, I would have taken a point away instead of added Yeah, one. yeah. But Little Debbie's is the closest thing to Twinkie's. There.
7: Yeah, it looks as though Little Debbie wins uh, with um, a 2.8 score, followed by... Closely by Safeway with 2.6, and the last one I just read about the golden, the Walmart <laughs> value, great value golden cream cake by Walmart at 2.6. So, clearly, uh, there are alternatives out there that uh, for anybody who doesn't consider themselves to be a Twinkie connoisseur could possibly face life with and and survive. Uh, my son, Bob, the youngest son, said something the other day when I mentioned the Twinkie thing, and he said, they can't they can't stop making Twinkies. <laughs> that's that, that, how can they do that? It's an American institution, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, well, the young, you know, he's that young, but um, he's young enough to think that Twinkies, Twinkies are an American institution. I think that's kind of cute in a way. Anyhow.
1: You know, with everything that we've talked about today, I know what the title of this um, episode is called. Oh, good. What? It's Food, Explanation more From Zombies to Twinkies.
7: Oh, yeah. That is good. <laughs> That's very good. I like that. Uh, uh, yeah. Ah, uh, Yummy. Uh.
1: Well, for Zoe Montoya, I am David K. Montoya.
7: And I am S. Sadie Burbank.
1: And remember, folks... What happens in Burbank ends up on a podcast. Good night. Good night. As promised, I told you that would be a a fun episode. Like I said, you know, there's just, there was a plethora of information and laughs. And, you know, that's what we brought with Win and Burbank. All right, kids. I think that's enough for me for this week. I've got to get on going and get more things together for next week. So for this week, I am David K. Montoya. Come back next week, and we will do this all over again right here, only on Flashback Fridays. See you next time.